Travolting presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering the Age of Innocence. With special guest, Mark Tilly. Hi, guys. Jolly good show then, chaps. It's set in New York, Jeff. Hey, hey, jolly good show. Hey, how you doing, huh? <laughs> I wanted to start off with No, I'm, in- happy, you, see, I'm I, happy that's the energy you came I, into this I, episode I, with. I showed up to, to your apartment, Jeff, and I said, don't worry, I got the intro, guys. Yes. Like, I was ready. I had, I, like, thought about it prior. I'm like, what is the vibe of this episode going to be? I thought... It's an NPR episode. <laughs> like Jeff starts with that one. <laughs> and then fucking hey, Jeff. Yeah, doing, huh? Jeff goes straight into like You messed good, with one of us. You, you messed, messed with, with all of us. us. <laughs> Some kind of freaky looking something. <laughs> oh, I, got, I, could do. Sorry. I think a lot about how in the first Sam Raimi Spider Man they added that sequence with the um yeah. the you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us after 9-11 because they needed to show more New York camaraderie. Do you think Newland Archer ever could have imagined that one day Spider-Man would be flinging down his streets? <laughs> I don't think Newland Archer could ever conceive. It's going to happen. It, in, this, <laughs> in this universe. <laughs> this is actually a part of the MCU. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of this universe. Yeah. Did you guys ever see that that picture where it's like... um. It says, imagine if Scorsese did this, and it's the, the Marvel like Phase 5 announcement, except <laughs> yeah. they photoshopped Scorsese instead of Kevin Feige, and it's, like, it's listing off all of his movies. It's like part of Phase 5. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Um, anyway, so we're not here to talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> we're here to talk about Martin Scorsese, though. Um, in fact, we're here to talk about his 19... Oh, God. 93. 93 motion picture... The Age, Age of, of Innocence. innocence. Um, we're joined by Mark Tilly, recurring guest. I think currently it's the record holder for most guest slots. I'd be shocked if I wasn't. You are. You're, you're in open competition with one Cole Bradley. This is like but... eight or nine for you, right? No, yeah, honestly. Eight or nine. Yeah. Because at one time it was like the six-timers club was called as, we'll call the Tilly Club. Uh-huh. We made that a benchmark still, for people. that. Yeah, we call we that's the benchmark that once you've got in six or more appearances, you're officially now in what's called the Tilly Club. I love it. How many people are in the Tilly Club, Jeff? Who Just have six me. or more? Just I mean, me. it would be Mark. It would be Cole. Cole. It would be Charlie, probably. Charlie. Becca for sure. Fuck Becca. Cole. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He better not crash this episode. I'll be oh. pissed. Here's here's the picture I was talking about. Oh, oh yeah. I, I think about this a lot. Nice. <laughs> Um, we don't have the zoom set up, so we can't like zoom in. What if he? Good. Well, he could just walk in the door. Well, actually, what he could to be do, fair, we did leave the door on. Well, what he could do is I, I'm connected to the Bluetooth on this board. He could just call, and he'll be wired right in. <laughs> so it's not unfathomable. No. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time you guys have ever t- covered Marty? Second, we did Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. second yeah. Martin. Uh, so it's our second Marty. Um, I'm very excited to delve into this movie. Me too. 
Um, because, you know, Killers of the Fire Moon is a very recent movie. Is this um, fireplace annoying? No, I like it. You it's like a good it? no, This is what I wanted. It's okay. what I asked for, too. I'm, real, I'm more so asking the ether of the audience listening to this two weeks from now. Is, is it, it one of those things you could pull out later? Yeah, easily. Okay, easily. Very, very yeah, easily. Yeah. We'll wait for like a few days. I'll listen to it when it comes out. I'm like, that fireplace fucking sucks. I'll yeah. Just, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out. Yeah. You do like an audience test. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll do test screenings. Yeah, you do test. What you're currently listening to is uh, Cozy Fireplace 4K 12 Hours. I love when it's 4K 12 Hours. That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best kind. But um, to get back to Marty, you know, we cover Marty with Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a very recent movie. So we didn't, and like, there was a lot to delve into with that movie um, besides the Marty of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited that we can kind of look back with this movie to like Marty's whole career. Um, because this is. In his I'm m- sorry, you do have to shut it off. I'm enamored. <laughs> I'm, uh, we have the, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I I do not currently have the remote. Oh, no, no, it's right here. Jeff is sitting in front uh, of the I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm, I, I should turn it off. I, I am looking okay, at I'm it. I'm it off. not listening to you at all. Also, because it looks so much better than the Amazon Prime one. It, I yeah, I was going to say, I watched on Amazon yeah, Prime yeah. last night. This looks the so much criterion better. Criterion Collection <laughs> plug. Stuart, Stuart, Stuart said Amazon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Amazon. Amazon. I, I heard you say oh, Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. Stuart's a big Amistad fan. <laughs> watch Hodge of Amazon's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm happy that's off now. Yeah, yeah me too. Okay, anyway, continue. Um, because this is this is kind of in the middle of Marty's career, right? This is like his because he he comes he brings to exuberant life in the '70s, um, with his first batch of films, uh, starting with Mean like Mean Streets and Who's That Knocking at My Door, rolls through Taxi Driver, um, new, eventually like he hits New York, New York, and that's kind of like the the end of his like first star run. In the 80s, he has a series of early flops. Um, kind of goes back to basics with After Hours, Last Temptation of Christ. New York, New York sort of like signifies the end of him sort of yeah. like figuring out who he's going to be. Yeah, as a filmmaker. Like. Even though he's already made Mean Streets but like and, and Taxi Driver. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. He's still experimenting at that point. Yeah. Um, New York, New York's kind of like the, the Icarus moment, flying too close to the sun. Because the 80s, like, he has a lot of, you know, movies that people look back on now with, you know, great reverence, like um, King of Comedy, um, Color of Money. Every single movie he's ever yeah, every made, single somebody movie. looks back. And that's yeah, every movie in that era. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he doesn't really have, like, a full, like, popular consensus comeback until Goodfellas. Goodfellas is kind of the movie that brings him back to being everyone being like, oh, yeah, he's the best, right? Yeah, I mean... His movies are still hits. Yeah. Everything's a hit. Cape Fear is a hit. You know, well, like, yeah, everything yeah. after Goodfellas is a hit again. Because yeah. in the 80s, there's a decent few, like, in the popular culture, people are like, that guy's kind of washed up at this point. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But Goodfellas, Cape Fear. Um, Cape Fear's the last one right before this, yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so. It's a very interesting one. So he's, he's kind of in his, like, his, this is kind of the apex of his career. Is it's this such run. a weird movie to be tucked in between Cape Fear and Casino. Yes. <laughs> such a weird, but it's perfect for him. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that kind of isn't perfect for him. Anything yeah. he does is kind of going to be, is going to make sense. We kind of, I think we talked about that on our Killers of the Flower Moon episode, that I'm always excited to know what he's going to do next, because it's not predictable. Yeah. Like, he, he, he well, well, it was Irishman before 
killers. Yeah. And before was that was silence. Silence. Then the Wolf of Wall Street. Then the Wolf of Wall and Street. And then Hugo. <laughs> yeah. Like you you can't predict what he's going to do next. Yeah. And I, I, I like that about it. Well, him. you can predict what he's going to do next because he's probably been talking about doing it for 25 years. Right. Um, but you just don't know which of those things he's been exactly. talking about he's yeah. going to actually do. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, my next movie. My next movie. All right. We're going to go to Japan. Japan. It's going to be great. I'm going to make gonna... this movie about Jesus. It's going to be 80 minutes long. He was going to do silence before Last Temptation of Christ. Can, can we? Well, he was talking about it. Can we do a prediction right now? Sure. His Jesus movie that he says he's making next. He says it's going to be eighty minutes long. He says he's doing it. He says it's going to be eighty minutes long. Eighty minutes long. What length do we think this movie will actually be? A hundred and forty. I'm thinking like hundred and ten. Yeah. yeah. Over over two over two under three. Because he's never made a movie that was not the correct length. Minutes. He's never made a movie that wasn't the correct length for the movie. Yeah. But simultaneously, I do sometimes want, I'm like, anytime he says he's going to make a short movie, I don't think it's happening, Marty. I don't think it's coming. Yeah. You make epics, and that's kind of what you do. Next. Like, what does that mean, Jesus movie? Just, you pick a book of the Bible and you're covering it? He, like, met, he met the Pope, and he said, I'm going to make a movie about Jesus next. Is he still I'm, Catholic? Yes. Very much. Uh, very Catholic. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be like a like a modern take. Yeah, like a modern know. telling. <laughs> I don't oh. know what that means. But he also says it's also going to be set in biblical times. Oh. And it's like based on a uh, a novel called The Life of Jesus by the author of Silence. Are are they going to is he going to have his actors speak in like Aramaic? I have no idea. Do you want to hear something really funny? This is completely out of topic. Yeah. Um so there's that movie Out of Darkness that's coming out, which is about it's a caveman horror movie. So I, like, I keep getting Instagram oh, ads for this movie. Yeah. It's a forty five thousand years never, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. If you go into the AMC website or the AMC app to look at it, normally if there's like a French movie or something, it's like French spoken with English subtitles. Okay. When, right, when when you're gonna book it. So Out of Darkness is a made up language in that movie. Oh. Um that's loosely based on what they think people might have talked about, like talked in that time. Forty five thousand years ago? Yeah, like they like if you break down like the common roots of languages, they're like, this is the common threads. We really don't know what they spoke in forty five thousand BC. There's no way for us to know. But this is kind of what we think they spoke. What is it listed as? What is it listed as? It's listed as like, um let me pull up the exact wording. Because it is so fucking funny. While you pull that up, just to tug on that thread yeah, more. I got it, I got it. Oh. It's artificial languages spoken with English subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read somewhere where it's like the thought about the dawn of language was like pops and clicks. Yeah, probably. Like, like people probably hear in like like African languages. Yeah, 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 where they do like the pops and clicks yeah. with their with language. I think that's kind of where. So that when you said 45,000, you'd be like, well, yeah, they're just going to talk like what like that that's what it would yeah the closest thing it would probably be like it's artificial languages that's funny um and anyway, we're not talking about out of darkness today we're talking about the age of innocence yes um what which has its own language yes which has its own language, language of love and beauty and elegance and yearning and despair the deep deep recessed it's just a yearning. lonely language that everyone's speaking everybody mm-hmm. has to speak the language everyone has to speak the sadness so upsetting it's um, kind of a crippling movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a fantastic movie. I think it's probably the best movie you guys have ever covered in your podcast. It's in my top I five. So. I yeah, am it, still blowout number one. Yeah. I'm still. I'm what still, else is up there? Well, you really liked Bram Stoker's Jeff. Yes. Ooh. Bram Stoker isn't in my top five, but it's 
it's in my top 10. For me, it's like, I, this is not the order of it. I want to make it very clear. But I guess? Yeah. Ladder forty nine. No. <laughs> no, damn no, it! No. I should have. My bad. You go. I, I should have fucking. <laughs> I should have fucking okay, seen that no, one I'm coming. Sorry. Give me your, give me your top five. Uh, well, a love song for Bobby Long is still up there. <laughs> oh, I like it. Respect it. Love song for Bobby Long is still up there. Uh, Blowout, Age of Innocence. Um. Uh, I should have come prepared for this assignment. Uh. I, I want to, like, no, it's not Mermaids. I was going to say, there's a Winona movie before Age of Innocence that I really, really liked. I don't know, but... And I'm sure Pulp Fiction? No, it's not no. my top five. Like, this is a movie... When top five, for me, it's like a movie I can rewatch again. The Whale? Yeah, Whale. The top five. Whale's in there. Whale's in my top five. Okay, so that's four, right? That's four. That's four. Just bring it home, dude. Just say anything. Oh, Come my on. God. Saturday night. I yeah. know. I'll I'll think about it at some point. <laughs> I won't apologize. Like, what is wh- that movie? I've never seen it. <laughs> you should watch it. I think you'll really is, like it. Who directed that movie? Two thumbs up, Ebert and Roper. I've brought song. up a poster, the DVD cover of a love song for Bob Long, where there's a horrifyingly photoshopped John Travolta face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's looking off screen. Pro- anyway. Pro- probably the mummy. Probably the mummy. That, that honestly makes sense. That's, that's, that's five. I, that's a fifth. Yeah. Blowout, Age of Innocence. <laughs> that is Love a song for Bobby Long, The Mummy. What we was, should start hitting people with what's your fist? <laughs> what's your fist? <laughs> what's your fist? What are your top five? Yeah. Yeah. What are your five bros? <laughs> gods and Monsters. I'd say this just knocked Gods and Monsters into its number yeah. six. Because gods and, gods and Monsters is in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. Gods and Monsters right up, right fucking yeah. up there. To make, I'm a god. You're a monster. Do I ever play his love song for God's Monsters? Nope. 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 I don't think you do. Stuart, you got to hold love song for Bobby Long in your top five. Love song, Bobby it Long. It has to stay there. It's <laughs> it has, so important to me. It has to stay there. My mental health is riding upon a love song for Bobby Long staying in your top five. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Great movie. This is a great movie. So this movie um, came out in 1993. It's based on a 1920 novel of the same name by Edith Wharton, uh, The Age of Innocence. Um, it's written by Jay Cox, um, who's a friend of Martin Scorsese, uh, read the book and was convinced this would be a great um, filmic adaptation. He wants to make you know, a romantic drama. And he hands the copy of, a copy of the book to Martin Scorsese and is like, hey, Marty, um, I think you'd really like this book. When you're ready to make your grand romance, I think it should be this. And Martin's like, yeah, great, whatever, whatever. He takes the book and he doesn't read it for seven years. Mm-hmm. Seven years later, he picks it up and he's like, "All right, I'll finally read this thing," and he's just immediately swept away by like the exquisite. He says the exquisite romantic pain of the story is what draws him in. Yeah, and he's always wanted to make a grand romance of this style. I'm thinking of like the the top directors of the age of this period, and none of them could compare to make this movie just as well as yeah. Scorsese could. Because I'm thinking it's Spielberg, Kubrick, and Coppola. Yeah, the, the- right around this time. Yeah, or, or maybe maybe seven years ago when he got the novel. That, yeah, they, I mean they're all they're all cooking around this time. Because I'm thinking like you, you combine Barry Lyndon and Eyes Wide Shut into the, and, <laughs> yeah, and that's you, Kubrick's version of Age of Innocence. Kubrick's too cold for something like that's this what movie, I'm saying. Movie, yeah, this movie's cold as ice, but like in a different way. Because Spielberg would make it more romantic, like a l- more on the romanticization. It, it would have been more earnest at the end. More earnest at it, the end. But it's there's something about this guy Newland who's like so. The ending beat of him is so like, 
he's just gonna live with nostalgia and he's mm-hmm. not he's too scared I, we'll get into it later but like you know yeah but i feel like fits spielberg but i don't know if it's no one could have done it as good as as scorsese yeah, yeah there's something very cutting about this movie that i feel like is so to me to the, marty. the thing about marty is like his move so many of his movies are about looking back with regret um yeah. that's a major through line his yeah. movies He's also kind of just like the 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 storyteller of New York, like the history, the filmic historian of New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, between this gangs, gangs of, of New, New York, York. Um, Goodfellas, Mean Streets, Raging Bull, yeah, every, New he's York, he's New York. Every, he's done so many movies about this city across different time periods. He's kind of like yeah. the unofficial historian of New York City, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. in film, like he's captured it from. I mean, Gangs of New York set in and the, the early 1800s, it, yeah, right? And his it's earlier documentary work in the earlier 70s. Yeah, and then he's done Wolf, Show, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Like early 2000, 2010. Now, Italian American is like a quintessential yeah, New York Italian. text, you know? Well, like, now he's got a, his. Okay, so now I know what his next movie is going to be. It's got to be like New York set in, in the tw- future. 2400. <laughs> he makes a future 3, New York movie. It's yeah. like Coppola's bidding for that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, Cop- yeah, Coppola with Megalopolis. Yeah. So we should cover Megalopolis just when it comes out. It. Just let's just oh. it's gonna be a seven-hour episode. <laughs> oh. It's shot entirely on the volume. <laughs> no, they scrapped that, right? Yeah, they scrapped it halfway through production, <laughs> so half the movie shot in the volume, and the other half isn't. I can't wait for that. Oh my god, that movie's gonna be. Insane. I hope it looks like Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna look crazy. Yeah. Um, uh. but no, just I think that that element, the New York of it all, is what really does make Marty the correct storyteller for this. Because if he's been tracking the city, um, and he, I mean he hasn't done Gangs of New York yet at this point, nor has he done The Wolf of Wall Street, but if he's if he's just kind of like showing this city becoming what it is, it's only right that he should be the one who takes it at this specific inflection point in the Gilded Age. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that incredible shot of where it's just like the one brilliant manor in the middle of just empty field. Yeah, on the island of Manhattan, mm-hmm. and that's like that's the story that he's telling is like. Kind of this rising um, aristocracy. There was a moment where at, we'll get to this part at the end of the movie, but there's like there's a time cut moving forward in the future, and you know some directors would be lazy and be like, "Listen, we only got the budget to cover this one time period, so we're stuck with horse and carriage. We can't bring like old ass cars into it, so we're just gonna fake it as if they haven't invented cars yet." But I knew, I thought, okay, with this time cut, there should be automobiles and phones, mm-hmm. and guess what? The first fucking shot is a car driving through a window yeah. and a fucking telephone yeah. call. And I was like, God damn it, Martin Scorsese, you Come did on. it, you son you of a bitch. You did it again. <laughs> He's at it again. Uh, uh, that movie honestly raised it like 50 points for Gryffindor in my head. <laughs> I was I was like, he added the technological revolution. Well, no, but for him, it's that's the easiest way to tell you about exactly. the Exactly. All he has to do is show you a car and a telephone. Yeah. And you don't even have to... It's unspoken. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And, like, and, and, and she's narrating it, and she's letting you know, you know, as their kids got older. It's just yeah. this really surprising jump forward, because she's just like, and they had a baby, and then their kids went to school, and then there's all that stuff. Yeah. And, the, yeah. the, um, my the heart hi- hurts the, the history about this part of the, the movie. The, <laughs> I know. My heart hurts, too. But the history <laughs> matters. The history matters. And I think something that I was very curious about that I, I, I almost wondered if... Scorsese probably left it out deliberately was how much post Civil War this was because there's not really much discussion about it and maybe it's because and maybe Scorsese even like is intentional mm-hmm. about this how isolated 
that whole community and yeah. culture is from everything else. But then they say we're gonna go to go St. Augustine. Yeah, which, we go to Florida for vacation. Which is like, okay, then this should be fucking ashes. Yeah. Like this is right after this well, is it's, five it's years. It's like the rich people who go to like the the lovely foreign, resorts. Like the lovely resorts in um, third world bombed countries. Ter- and yeah. bombed out countries. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not a huge Civil War buff, but I don't think this this would have been five, five years. years after the Civil yeah, War. Yeah, but there was not that much fighting in Florida. Uh, there wasn't much fighting in Florida nor yeah. New York, but yeah. still, like yeah, it's it it yeah, because the Sherman March stopped in Atlanta, so mm-hmm. that you that it's, yeah. it's factually correct. Yeah, it was it, playing in the, in the back of my head the entire yeah, movie. The, where of I was like, like, what's the there's there's got to be smart a enough Civil that War he's line. got some like there's some subtext here about you know just this incredible boom of white power yeah in a post civil war state um i don't think it's like it's not a major important text of the movie but i think it is something that's there um before we get too far into it should i delve into the context yes context please, corner real please, quick please um because i already mentioned like that how scorsese got the got the story and decided he really wanted to make it um after he'd made cape fear which is kind of his um one for them movie which is still incredible. This is not to dispute Cape Fear's quality, but he does kind of make that as like a box office play. Yeah, yeah, I Ultimate. like that movie, but it's not. And who did, who did he trade that one with? That was supposed to be a Spielberg, That's right? Be Spielberg, yeah. He gave the he gave Spielberg Schindler's List and took Cape Fear from Spielberg. Wow, um, interesting. And they flopped it. They they flip flopped. Um, <laughs> a casual thing to do with Schindler's there, List. There's a universe in 1992 where a gorilla at Cincinnati Zoo got <laughs> shot, and it, Martin Scorsese did Schindler's List, and it flopped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was like 11, I heard this weird. I don't know how it came to my head, but I had this piece of trivia I would tell people all the time that Steven Spielberg directed Schindler's List when he was in college, and it was his like, it was his thesis movie in okay. college. You're actually not wrong. You're not. 100% I can tell you wrong. why. What is that? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I had this thing. I would always after, tell people after Schindler's List it, came out, he submitted it as his thesis to USC to finish his degree. Is that what yeah. it was? Yes. And yeah. he got and he got okay, the degree. So I don't. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, it was. It it's like a real thing he did. It was years and years after he. I didn't know he because he he went to USC and what dropped I think out he dropped or dropped out, out or something. Okay. Um, That's great. But he got the degree. Um, thank, I, I would imagine you would for making Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yes. Yeah. Um, imagine having to like. And there's one student to... that raises his hand in the screen, and be like, "I personally thought." <laughs> I I'm, I'm I'm an idiot. I don't know how thesis is like in, in, for like that kind of shit works at his level at USC. Somebody mm. have to grade that shit. <laughs> yeah, someone's like, <laughs> I don't know. A. <laughs> As somebody who had to do like a graduate thesis film for film school yeah there is no fucking grade yeah like what is the grade <laughs> like <laughs> well did your thesis get graded no well, okay. it was i mean it was just listen, done was graded? listen you well first off we have to i have to content <laughs> no no no. you got me on this we're on it uh i this was whole this was the whole thing during covid so like really what you got graded on is if you made something sure Versus if you didn't make something, which I even think is still the case and was the case before COVID that like there is no fucking grade of your thesis. What are they going to do? Say, make another one, <laughs> like spend another thousand dollars of your own hard earned money to like make another thesis film because the other one was bullshit. No, here's your degree and pay us more money when you're rich. Like that's how it goes. Sorry, rant yeah. over. So Scorsese. So it's pissed he went to grad he's, school. He's, I am. Look, you wouldn't have met me. And you wouldn't be here right now talking about the Age of Innocence. 
Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> you now know the button. It's um, like I just do that without even looking at it. Yes, now. <laughs> I did. That was impressive. So Scorsese, like I said, was attracted to the uh, exquisite romantic pain of the story. Mm-hmm. Decides he wants to make this movie as his next movie. Yeah. Um, finding financing. Um, it takes a hot second because it, you know, it's like a a 1870s set grand romance. Studios aren't flocking to purchase that one, but he does get it. And he goes immediately into casting the three leads of the movie. Newland Archer, Countess um, Aleska, and May. Um, And he gets his first three picks, which are Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Winona Ryder. Yes. Um, Winona is is on the set of Bram Stoker's Dracula when she gets the call. Oh, wow. She's in her trailer um, having a rough time, as we talked about last week, um, with like the Coppola of it all. And she gets a call from Martin Scorsese. He's like, hey, I want you to be in my movie. And she like basically just started screaming. It's like, yes, 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 yes. I want to be in this movie. Yeah. She had also coincidentally read the novel in high school and had to write a thesis paper on it um, to, to graduate from or to finish her freshman year. So it's very funny. To, she found it very funny that she's now going to be in the movie yeah. after that. Right. Did either of you read any of the book? No. I really wanted to just read the ending. Maybe, I will, I, maybe I, I'm kind of motivated. Pull it up right this. now. Huh? Read it during the show. Maybe I'll pull it up. <laughs> no. I'll put up Hoopla. Um, hoopla. You guys should all be on Hoopla if you're not on Hoopla. Hoopla? Hoopla. The, the most interesting thing I found about Scorsese talking about this movie is he considers this the most violent movie he's ever made. I mean, that's always the line with this yeah. movie, too, even before I saw it. I knew, yeah. Like, yeah. He's, and it's one most, of his only PG-rated movies. Yeah. It's the violent movie he ever made. It's yeah. A drop of blood in it. Yeah, it's it, emotional violence. Only blood is the beating heart. Yes. And of course, there's the Daniel Day Lewis stories where he locked himself in a room and had to dressed up as um, Newland Archer for well, like weeks. The thing about there's always a Daniel Day Lewis like method the, acting story. The thing with about all the Daniel Day Lewis story is that it, it really cracks me up for this one because like he, yeah he, he's method he gets into the character he stays in the character the whole time that's fine whatever Lincoln was probably very funny. Um, <laughs> But that, go, that's Mart Scorsese's wink about the Civil yeah. War in this movie is that you don't know this, but this guy's going to play Abraham Lincoln yeah. in 20 years. The the thing in this movie is he locks him. He goes to the Plaza Hotel and books a room and then stays in characters. Newland Archer in the room for two weeks. I'm like, it's, great. That's what Newland Archer is like. Yeah. Newland Archer just locks himself in. A hotel. I just like that. He went to the Plaza and there's probably and he checked himself in as N Archer. And there's probably some. <laughs> it's the coffee machine flipping out. Um, there's probably like just some people who are just walking by this room, and he's just in there like, "No, May, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh my god, what's going on in there?" Um, this oil lamp is smoking, maid servant. <laughs> it's also like, I mean, Martin Scorsese like makes movies like all his gangster movies are about like you know. Uh, like codes and sort of like like dialogue like yeah. certain sort of like people and like social groups yeah. speak to each other and like this movie is about like not about like a code but it's about like you know I mean all so many Scorsese kind of portrays a lot of these groups in the same way it's the mob in Goodfellas it's the the Wall Street bankers in Wolf of Wall Street there's unwritten rules there's it's a it's like a seek like kind of its own society yeah. mm-hmm. it's the cops in the departed yeah. Um, every, every movie that he makes, like it is about this unwritten gr- exclusionary group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except this time he's delving into the aristocracy of 1870s New York. Yeah. Um, instead, um, 
I really actually don't have too much in the way of additional context besides just like the how Winona got the part um, and how Scorsese got interested in it. She doesn't talk in the movie about like her time on the set or how she Not felt really. She, she said Scorsese in, had an incredible experience working with Scorsese, that he's a very giving director. Mm-hmm. Which, like, of course. Yeah. Of course he is. She said it was like a complete opposite experience from Francis Ford Coppola. So Coppola was chaotic um, and that this was a very like calm, kind of nice experience. After the uh, the chaos of the Dracula set, that, that makes a, that probably makes a lot of sense. I don't know much about the either directing styles, but it sounds mm-hmm. like Coppola is very much like very crazy. Yeah, yeah. crazy, kind of off the cuff. Sees a fucking yeah. squirrel walk down the alley, be like, point the camera at that, yeah. shoot it. And Scorsese yeah. he's like, you know, actually working with his ads and like organizing, yeah. what the day is going to look like. And then um, he did hire an on-set etiquette expert who yeah. just kind of stayed with the production for the whole time. Well, didn't he also hire like a art history graduate yes. student to help? There with- was there was a lot of work put into making sure that the period elements of the movie were historically accurate. Yeah, the looks, the way that the characters act, the way that they speak, a lot of that work, a lot of work went into that accuracy level. Um, and Winona does talk a lot about the in the book a lot about the um, the etiquette expert and being like. Hey, can I put my hand on my hip? And the etiquette's like, oh, no, darling, that means you were a harlot. <laughs> and she's like, all right, can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do we just want to delve into the movie? Let's do it. I feel like we should just kind of talk through this one. Yeah. I watched this movie a week ago, so you guys are a little fresher than me. So I watched it last night on Amazon Prime on my iMac. Mm-hmm. Mark? I watched it. Kind of over the course of three days. <laughs> I watched the last 20 minutes this morning three times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, no. Do you want to get into it? I mean, so someone pull up. Newland Archer. Will someone first pull up what the opera is at the beginning? Sure. Because you know it's something significant. And I just never made the connection of what the opera they were watching was. Because that's how we start. Well, first off, we start with a beautiful grand title intro sequence mm-hmm. with classical music playing in the background. Um, you know, this is 1870s, so we're getting into... I found the theatrical stage play. Oh, my gosh. Nice. The book starts with, on January evening in the early 70s, Christine Nilsson was singing in Faust at the Academy of Music in New York. Faust. Is that what it is in the in the book? In Probably. The movie? Probably the they same. They did film it in Philly, uh, has to be said. Okay. Faust. They say what what stage play it was. Um, the the live production, I can tell you what that was. I don't know what the opera was. The reason why, like, I think it's important is because, like, a uh, little bit of pretext for me is like being a uh, my bachelor. I was went to the school of music, and we had to take uh, three music history courses. And so when I heard 1870s, and it starts with an opera, yeah, there's a lot of classical music playing throughout. My first thought is like, oh my god, like yeah. This we're getting into more of the 1870. We were getting more into romanticism time period, and 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 I loved even better. Fucking smart move, Scorsese. Like he just knows this yeah. shit. Where it's like when they do the time cut in the future again with cars and phones, yeah. the, the the it changes from romanticism to impressionism, yeah. which is where you get artists like Debussy. And there's a line that says, "I want to score from Debussy." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh my." Yeah. This and, fucking guy. So anyway, and the thing about this That's why I think it's important to know what yeah. it is. Because this movie like it's entitled The Age of Innocence. Yeah. Um 
And that's so much, you know, it's the post-Civil War era where New York, where America and, you know, New York is a microcosm of America, is really becoming significantly, like, more um, established in, like, a cultural sense. Because after the Revolutionary War, America is still very young. And it spends, like, essentially the next 60, 70 years kind of just building itself up. It doesn't really ever grow to the level of, like, a European high society. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Because the, like there's, the there's previous a, 100 years had all been about just establishing the literally the mechanics of the country. Yeah, the like the the structural elements that make America America. Yeah. are up through the Civil War. After the Civil War, America is in its age of innocence, like you know, the union has prevailed. The yeah. country is whole again. Yeah. We won our independence. Yeah. We say we saved ourselves in the War of 1812 and yeah. we kept our nation Shout together. out Stuart bringing up the War of 1812. Oh, at it, least it, someone it, remembers. You didn't think I was going to forget. Gonna forget. Never, <laughs> never forget. The White <laughs> House was set on fire, guys. Okay. It's always, we always <laughs> forget as a society that the British tried to pull some shit a second time. A second time, yeah. They came back. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm and of course I'm missing many 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 conflicts yeah. in between there but like th- what you said is yeah. historically absolutely correct yeah. is like pre-civil war there's no time to like figure out america's known for cheeseburgers yeah like it's all about we have to get as much shit down on yeah. paper we're and ex- kill the right people we're expanding the country yeah you know, the louisiana purchase the um you know the relocation of thousands of ind- millions of indigenous people yeah. um a lot of terrible stuff is happening yeah and now we're finally getting to Oh my god! It's got noises all over uh, the place. Um, uh, so anyway, let, yeah, yeah. I, I can I can yeah. splurge anyway. But, but we're in this this it, beautiful I, title. I'm just sequence. gonna keep saying "Age yeah. of Innocence." Yeah, beautiful title where, sequence. Oh, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! What? I'm not finished making my point yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought we were I'm just go. saying that this is this is you know the the period of time where America is establishing itself culturally and taking a lot from Europe and having kind of a. Uh, a dialogue with Europe about establishing American society in a European sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're develop we're building ballrooms. And we're, we're, uh, we're entering an era of opulence and how incompatible those two. Yes. Things are. That's the, that's the juice of the movie. Yes. Is we're trying so hard to become Europe, become Europe or mimic that we're denying ourselves and like who we are. Right. This well, this movie is about America. It's about, you know, America kind of saddling itself to these old ideas. The beautiful line of this movie yeah. the, that Daniel Day-Lewis says to Michelle Pfeiffer is, our country doesn't believe in arranged marriages, yeah. even though that's exactly what yeah. they're doing. Just that America is just, like, repeating the sins of the past. And, and she says, oh, yeah, and her response is just as eloquent. She says, oh, yes, I simply forgot that all the things I came from were bad, and now I'm in all that's good. Yes. <sighs> Stuart's like oh. fully, fully. <laughs> Just a couple of guys like this, ripping this, their veins. This could, like, this, oh. this could be an episode where we don't like talk. Pl- we just yeah, go. We just, make we just no. Where we just like talk about the movie. Like, yeah. We can go plot by plot. I think we should start going through the plot, and okay. then eventually we'll splinter off. Okay. It's be- just very simple. Yeah. It's just yeah. a guy who, you know, is engaged to the wrong woman. Yeah. <laughs> too late. Maybe like a week too late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He becomes newly engaged to a young woman, May. Yeah. And, and he dies seems on... Like, or, sorry. Go, go it on. seems like maybe a week later, the most interesting woman in the whole world walks into his life and he's like, fuck. <laughs> but 
fuck. Each cross he dies on, he nailed himself to. Yeah. yeah. And that's the that's that's the point of the movie mm. with what you're saying that we're yeah. trying we're trying so hard to be like Europe. We're trying so hard to mimic all of these what we uh, attribute to be fine ways of cultural living. Yeah. And what we're really doing is we're just like we're just saddling ourselves to the old ways and the dying ways. And everything we do yeah. is fake. Everything yes. we do is made up. It it's all matter. it's all fraud. It matters to everyone and no one. Mm. And these rules don't let us. These rules just trap us. Yeah, and they and like they trap us from ever experiencing true love or happiness. And they like condition us. And yeah. they condition us. And even when the moment presents himself at the end of the movie, he's too scared. He's, he's too scared because he's too. He can't accept that his life was a fail, like a failure. He'd rather live with the what if. Yeah. You know, than yeah. with, you know, than like, the resolute. He'd rather answer. like sit with. Because he'd rather torture himself than experience mm. it because he, yeah. that's what he's been conditioned to do is just torture himself. And when mm. he is given the opportunity at the end of the movie to experience love, he's just like... And he's wrong to think that way. Yeah, yeah. And he's... That's 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 what Scorsese says with that long, dragged-out shot of him walking away. He yeah. wants you as the audience to almost want to reach into the screen and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. bro, like, there's no... You're not tied down anymore. Like, you have all these freedoms. Like... Even your son like believes everything that you know you're, you should be allowed to do and all that stuff, and like you're dying on this cross that you built. Like you're you're this is your final cross that you're building. I mean the the official like time period that this is set in is the Gilded Age. Yeah. Um, and you know a term that comes from that is also the Gilded Cage, which is the idea of being essentially trapped in. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. it's the it's the idea makes you of think, bro. <laughs> it makes you think that you're like trapped in essentially this like prison of beauty and opulence, but it's constricting you and it's keeping you from experiencing like the person that you truly are. Yeah. Um. And the, Newland Archer is like the the quintessential trapped in a gilded cage Absolutely. person. He yeah. he you know he's in such a beautiful space in life, and he doesn't and he's too afraid to try and like see what happens if he leaves it. If he opens the door to his cage, what happens to him? It would require a lot of bravery to do that, and he doesn't have any. Uh, and he's too afraid, and he almost finally makes the choice at the end, uh, but by then it's too late for him to to make it. Wasn't too late. He's just so mm-hmm. he's so. I want to earn the end. I want to earn when we get yeah. the end. This is yeah, a movie about. Wanna... Be, this is a big movie about being too late. Oh, because if he had made the if he had made the decision one week earlier. May would not have been pregnant, and he could have left. But he quite literally planted his flag um, and is now stuck in it. <laughs> good. Um, yeah. Good, good, good. You like that one? Yeah. That was pretty good. All right. So I can't really pause, I can't really um, like parse what Faust is about. It's a very long. Um, oh. But um, it, it seems like it does. It's about temptation. It's about temptation. It's about like, it's about like three, three people, Faust, um, Mephistopheles. Yeah, it's Mephistopheles. And Marguerite. I don't know if... It seems like maybe he's meant to be both Faust and Mephistopheles. You know, sort of these two... Mm -hmm. He has these two sort of, like, voices in his head. Yeah, the angel and the devil. Yeah, and he's sort of, like, wrestling with himself because it seems like at the end of the opera, um, they're both kind of turned away from her. Um, I want to know what the play is, too, because I love... It's one of my favorite moments is when he's just, like... He's watching... uh, 
like a civil war soldier. He's watching a civil war soldier sort of like leave his leave his love, and the love is you know yeah. As soon as he's out the door, starts crying and sobbing, and he just does this sort of like yes, like uh, emotion because he's just like he wants that to be what um, Ellen is sort of feeling. He wants to know that's what Ellen is feeling when he's gone, and he's just like soaking. I don't know. The play is the Chagrin. Yeah. By Irish playwright Dion uh, Bocacall. We should all go see it. If it's we should all go see it. I'm sure there's a lot of showings of it nowadays. If if Faust is ever at Lyric Opera, guys, we're all going to go. Let's go go to Faust. It's a beautiful intro title sequence. And then enter Opera Faust. Yes, enter Uh, Opera Faust. um, Where sitting up on the balcony, we have uh, New Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Second in a row. He was in Bram Stoker. He was in Bram Stoker. Now he's back in this. Yeah. Um, he's most recently been in the motion picture Argyle, um, which oh I saw, God. <laughs> which Mark God. and I saw yesterday. Guys, don't go see Argyle. <laughs> I don't know when this is going to come out. Was Argyle that the easiest be... paycheck of Richard E. Grant's life? He was in one shot of that movie. Yeah, he's in one shot. Of that he's movie. in one shot. Um, anyway, sorry to bring that up. He's playing uh, Larry Lefferts. And here's great a... fucking name. So like, Larry Lefferts. There, there's so much emphasis put on like who's who, what family they come from, what their influence is, and what their characters are. And so, like, it, to me, and maybe it was, cause maybe I missed a little bit, but at least, like, in this movie, it seemed like Larry Lefferts and Newland Archer are, like, kind of, like, rivals in yeah. some kind of way. Yeah. Uh, They're both, they were both rivals for May's affection. Yep. Um, Newland Archer has won out. Basically, when we're picking up with the story, Newland has won out. Yeah. The, uh, the thing they're they're old rivals yeah and there's a few other guys sitting there that we'll we'll get into a little bit later but um you know they're all using like the the richie like binoculars to look and yeah. then they look over to the opposite balcony and that's where we see may winona Ryder. yes her mother her mother and walking into the chair michelle pfeiffer woof, 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 countess woof, woof. aleska now okay so we're oh, 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 we're getting there yeah let's get there <laughs> no, no no let's go there yeah, right let's now let's go there Michelle fucking Pfeiffer in this movie. Yes. Oh. Uh, hey, how Wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> what, was that be? <laughs> what did you think that button was? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> but like, never was there. First on Michelle Pfeiffer. Anybody else but Michelle Pfeiffer. Absolutely captivating. Yes. Performance. The fact that Winona is the only one that comes away with an Oscar acting yes. nomination—that's it's the big surprise that Winona's the one who gets the nomination off this movie. Yeah, like sh- I think it's one of the other noms that you Costume. We're going to talk about her soon because yeah, she is remarkable that. in this movie. But it is strange that she's the one who walks away with it. Yeah, but you, you kind of expect Michelle Pfeiffer to be the one. Right, because even Daniel Day-Lewis, I'd be like, yeah, of course. You, you yeah. can give him a, a courtesy nomination. Yeah, courtesy nomination. <laughs> I don't think he probably... There's probably... The happy-to-be-here slot. The happy-to-be-here slot, yeah. for sure. But, like, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yes. Not even nominated for this movie? She feels like the obvious nominee. Oh, my God. She... Well, yeah, I mean, Daniel has a... a he's, he's nominated in another role, for another category, in, for actor, but for in the name Was of the Was it for name of the, fa- the name of the father? Um, fucking Michelle Pfeiffer not being nominated. Fucking crazy, but you got Holly Hunter, Angela Bassett. I can't put it into words. Emma Thompson on on this podcast for the audience pretty... about how good Michelle Pfeiffer is in this role. Can mm-hmm. anybody else do it justice? Um, Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie is playing to all of her strengths as an actress. 
Um, she's using like her innate sensuality, um, her innate beauty, but her innate um, mystery, mi- her yeah. innate sort of like warmth and. But also her, she's notoriously she likes. She's obviously an actress, but she is very like reticent to pl- to act. She doesn't really like you know the lead up to a movie. She gets really nervous. She's always afraid to commit to things. Like she's her thing is always she turns down movies and you have to call her a second time to be like, no, I actually really want you in this movie. Mm. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and that feels like the character she's playing in this movie, this very fleety person who has this innate vulnerability and is afraid to lock themselves down into something because who knows, you know, if that's the correct thing to lock yourself into. Um, you could wind up in a relationship trapped for the rest of your life with someone you don't really like, or you could put yourself down a path that you'd end up not wanting to follow and you look back with yeah. regret. And that's, you know, that's the character she's playing in this movie is someone who's so afraid of that possibility that she stumbles into a different trap of, you know, being in this high society and being seen as someone who lacks commitment. And it feels like the only thing that sort of is like tying her, like, or is keeping anybody. I feel like everybody would like disregard her and not respect her if she yeah. wasn't already married into like uh, a wealthy yeah, European a family. family. That's kind of like the thing that's like, and even though that marriage is in turmoil, I feel like that's what's kind of like keeping everybody like, okay, she's still like here and one of us. Yeah, but that's like the one thread that's kind of like yeah, holding, holding her, her together. Whereas it, uh, otherwise, I think she'd be a complete outcast. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the that she dares like have interest and you know decision agency, agency of her own offends this high society that's so built into yeah kind of essentially a caste system yeah she'll get up she'll talk to one man she'll sit down get up yeah sit down talk to another one and it's just like and they're oh, scandalous are blowing <laughs> the room. Was like what yeah. the fuck is going on and there, and there isn't a single moment in this movie where anything she does isn't like believable to her character yes. like i it it is so outlandish that she didn't get a nomination mm-hmm. for this. I mean, maybe she didn't even need it. Maybe she doesn't even mm-hmm. need a nomination. What we has just she kn- been nominated for? Oh, what, she, what are the Michelle she's Pfeiffer gotten something, right? Oscars? She's gotten something. She's, she's been nominated before. I don't think she's won, but she's definitely been nominated for something. Nominated for three! She's been nominated for Dangerous Liaisons, The Fabulous Baker Boys, and Love Field. Oh, God, I haven't seen any of those movies. Two of those are for a leading role all around the same time period, 90 and 93. Hmm. So wait, that actually does beg the question. Well, this would have been 94 Oscars yeah. For, yeah, for this movie. And she was nominated the year prior. Okay, yeah, she's nominated the year prior for Best Actress. Yeah. It's funny, she's, she and Emma Thompson are both nominated for Best Actress the year prior, and they're both nominated for Best Supporting Actress this year. Um, That's funny. She's nominated this year? Yeah, for uh, Best Supporting Actress. And for Emma Thompson in the Name of the Father. Well, actually, no, Michelle Pfeiffer is not nominated this year. I was going to say. Like, we're, we're not, she's not nominated because Winona got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer walks into the box opposite, and immediately Newland, it's like love at first sight for him. Yeah. Newland Archer is immediately intrigued by this woman. And the first conversations you hear about are, they shouldn't be walking around. Yeah, they shouldn't. With- with they're, they're displaying her. They're displaying her. It's bold of them. Yeah. And he walks around to the opposite box to, to be with them. And Winona sees him. Yeah. And the first conversations are, are you going to tell Ellen? Like, they just recently got engaged. Yeah. And, um, you know, he is putting off, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll tell her. I'll tell her at some point. And he's just kind of, like, pushing it off a little bit. 
Um, he's telling other people, but in an innocent kind of way, yeah. it's almost like an innocent uh, way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An age of innocent. The age one. of innocent way. Yeah, where he just seems seems to consistently fail to tell Ellen until like the next time he has a conversation with her. It's like, oh yeah, May May told me that you were you guys were engaged. That didn't yeah. come from him. Um, because the next scene after this is one of ten thousand dinner parties yes. that we're gonna get. This movie. This movie is ninety percent dinner parties. Well, because while this is simultaneously happening, we're getting narration by Joan Woodard. Mm-hmm. Um basically describing the way that the society functions. Mm-hmm. And it's like at this opera every year when the third act starts, um, all the Ms. carriages line up. Yeah. All the carriages line up and Mrs. What's her name? Is it, it's not Vanderluden. It's um, Beaufort. Mrs. Yeah. Beaufort gets up and heads to her house to prepare for the dinner party and ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it describes like the, the various, um, displays and the way that the house is set up to best coordinate a party and a ball and which ballroom they use. It's a lot of fluff, but it's just kind of describing the rigid structure of this society, how everything is, you know, um, compartmentalized and, you know, planned out to a fault. Yeah. Cause like no one in, it's like everybody in America. It's, it's the, an assembly the, line of opulence. Yeah. The the things that Americans like more than amusement is getting away from amusement. Yes. Is the line where yeah. they say, like, everyone's going to leave around the third act. It's like in but, baseball where no one stays, sticks around yeah. to the seventh inning. But that's kind of um, that that's building into the point of, like, no one's there because they want to enjoy the show. Right. Yeah. They're there because they're told they have to attend the show. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, you know, the, the classy thing do. to do. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't like a show. I'll fucking leave a show. Well, actually, no. If I'm at a show, I'm going to stick through to the bitter end because I got to see how it ends. But, like, I'm not going to go to a show that I don't want to see. Right. Um, And this is just, like, a critique of all these people who claim to be classy in culture but don't understand culture. Yeah. They hate it. They just want to be told where to go and what to do. Yeah. Um, And so that's when we're brought to... They all file, like, droids to the... the 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 both is it so it's a Beaufort dinner, dinner, right? Yeah, and they describe like you know there it isn't like a narrow corridor that gets you to the ballroom. It's a series of drawing rooms. Yes, to display their artwork and like an IKEA. Yes, yeah, very much like an IKEA. You have to go guides you. I was you have to go through multiple kitchenware. I was just in IKEA yesterday, and I had that thought. I was like, (laughs) it is like an IKEA. It's it's funny how IKEA you don't really get the choice of what you want to go look at. You just have to walk through the whole thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want to go look at dining tables? You you just have to walk through. You have to walk through the carpet. You have to walk through bedrooms. You got to walk through the kitchen. It's how they design malls too. Mm -hmm. Just like. Especially like one floor malls, yeah. where they just design like all these different corridors. So if you want to, if you park somewhere, you have to pass everything like two or three times yeah. to get back out to your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Except it's the Beaufort drawing rooms yeah. instead of the uh, the limited two. Well, and they use these this like architecture and the selection of paintings as like a purse as like a way to characterize who the Beauforts are. Because there's one where they say that they're displaying one of the full drawn nudes of an artist. And it was, you know, very audacious for them to do that. Um, so it gives that uh, idea that like the Beauforts are a people who they, they enjoy a high like ranking in the society and they kind of m- the, flaunt about it is not the right way to say it. It's like 
they're high ranking in society and they know about it. They and know they, about it and they, they make push sure that boundary with the painting because I feel like everybody yeah. wants somebody to push the boundary. Yeah. It's like to an extent. So they have something to talk about, yeah. Yeah. something to gossip about, but it's this sort of like elastic yeah. sort of like yeah. thing where you can't break it and she yeah. threatens to sort of like snap the whole thing. But um because that the painting is very important because it's like every every family has like their one little bit their one to yeah. keep the conversation alive yeah uh-huh. but it's all basically preordained and preplanned what their bit is going to be jeff you have 10 bits yeah <laughs> i know right i, I break i'm the looking social, at one right i break now. the fucking social order <laughs> yeah every day every day of my life baby uh that's all i'm doing yeah so um i'm trying to think of she like she doesn't show to the party because ellen they, doesn't yeah ellen doesn't show to the party because her her dress isn't smart enough yes she's not um yeah this movie is like so densely packed it is with detail and sort of like loaded messages yeah that it's hard to sort of like talk about piece by piece the, yeah. the actual plotting the actual plotting but um because in theory the this movie is essentially just like three scenes it's just how it happens that a lot of the scenes are just repeated. It's just these two people, you know, meeting and organizing, yeah. you know, little meetups and bumping into each other over the course And they're of- little escapes that they get from the high society. Yeah. Um, together. What's the, fir- the, the first time he goes to her house is the first time, right? Well, the, yeah, the first time he goes to her house is because she gets stumped at that party. And with, you know, partially his... Um, Pushing and also May, who Winona Ryder, we haven't even talked about yet. He goes to tell her that they got engaged, though, right? The first um, time he goes over there, or no? He does not. Oh. I don't believe so, because he kind of like stammers out that they got engaged. It's it's not like he plans to tell them, right? Yeah, yeah it's that he, you know, they're like, oh, you should have told Ellen at the ball, and it's like, oh, well, she wasn't there, and I'll I plan on doing that soon, and then the next. Th- major interaction i remember happening between ellen and newland was the arranged dinner party with yes. the van der Leidens. yes so the this whole thing is that um there's a grandmother uh yes. named something mingut uh yeah what is she played by miriam margolis mrs mingut that's correct mrs mingut and uh she is like the matriarch of this high society yeah she's the matriarch of the high society and when she is grandmother. the when grandmother she's the matriarch of specifically the welland um, side of the family, yes, which is um, Winona and her mother, um, and then the Countess Aleska is their, their, her cousin. Yeah, it's her cousin. Um, and so they're they're having conversation about like, well, no one wants to. Oh, uh, Ellen Aleska wants to host like a dinner party, but no one will accept the invitations, mm-hmm. and so it's becoming this thing of like you know, and and. I love the scenes that I really like are the scenes where like they have this little family, small little dinner with uh, Newland and May, and May's family. Uh, it's like May's parents and her sister, I think. Um, and they're having some like kind of like posh conversation yeah. a little bit. Like again, it's all fake and yeah. they're all talking around things. Yeah. Um, you know, they mentioned like the dress wasn't smart enough or whatever, and Newland's just kind of like eating his like yeah. chicken or whatever, just not really, yeah, like not really locked, in. not really locked in. And then we cut to it's like Newland and May's dad, yeah, smoking cigars. We get we get this motif 
repeated yeah, the in the c- movie. The cigar thing, I, I kept thinking about Titanic whenever this would happen. Yeah. Because I, I, I think I a lot too. of that sequence in Titanic where um, Rose is you know sent back to the room and Jack takes her down to the, uh, the lower decks and they dance together. Mm-hmm. And it keeps intercutting with Billy Zane and his cronies all smoking cigars and drinking their whiskey. Yeah. In like the side room talking about the most boring shit imaginable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is just a very, you know, that movie set in a somewhat similar time period, like 40-ish years after this. Only this, they they, they get yeah. they talk about the same subjects, yeah. but a little bit, like, more, like... A, you can only a, talk about the society when you're in very small groups. Yeah. You, yeah. you yes. have to be with two, three people, you know, yes. you can't be, like... Because Newland is a little bit more candid yeah. with May's dad. And I feel like he hates this shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, he's maybe a little bit op- more open with... Her. Because, you know, he plays the game into the family. But. Yeah. Like without outright saying, like, I'm in love with your with your daughter's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> with, without saying that abruptly, like he is kind of like edging to that. Yeah. He's limit. insisting that the Aleska get like a second chance. And we should talk about what Aleska's deal is, because this it's in this scene where we kind of get the fuller picture. Yeah. So Shell Pfeiffer's character, Ellen Aleska, married this guy, Count Oleska in Paris. First name count. First name count. We never get a first he's name. He's a he's a Polish count. Yeah. Second name uh, count. First name <laughs> Polish. <laughs> Polish count Oleska. I was really hoping we were gonna get some fucking like celebrity cameo Einstein Oppenheimer esque appearance where it's gonna be like <laughs> I don't know, some some like Christopher Lee is Christopher Lee bring would, him back as the count. Would be like count or whatever. Just like in a five minute appearance yeah. in the movie. I was kinda hoping. We never do, which is better, but it was a part of me that's like, I really hope they bring some fucking A list to be the count. Yeah. But the idea is that the marriage was horrible. Uh, the count was very unfaithful. Like adult, he had like lots of women, but people didn't care because in yeah. high society, men could do whatever they want, but women can't obviously sleep around with a lot of men. And then there's the secretary. It's like, what did you hear about the secretary? It's like, well, if what I, I just only know what I read in the legal papers yeah. and stuff like that. So there's some nuance around like her maybe having yeah. an affair with the secretary. There's a lot of rumors and gossip. Being yeah, but the idea is that she left him came back to America. They're not divorced yet. And we're under the guise of like, will she get a divorce? Yeah, will she get yeah. a divorce? I don't know. And Newland's like, well, she should get a divorce. Like, yes. why not? And it's like, well, you know, what? why even bother? Like, she's here. He's yeah. there. It's fine. Yeah, why upset the social fabric just for their happiness? Yeah. yeah. Like, I always get this part muddled. What is Jonathan Price's deal? His... um. His character, Jonathan Price. Jonathan, he's a secretary. He's a secretary. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's the infamous secretary that okay. shows up in the third act. Yeah, yeah. That will fill in a, a li- some gaps a little bit. Yeah. Um. Not really fill in gaps. Just confirm what we've known all along. Yeah. That like, hey, she cannot go back to the count. Yeah. Like you know it. I know it. Like I know you were told to like convince her to take the divorce, and I was even sent here by the count to convince her to come back to him she should not go back to him yeah like between you and me she should not go back um but um newland manages to with the help of both um the van der leidens with may's father and may's um grandmother um he kind of like uses the fact that he's engaged to may as like a way to be like let's let's get a uh let's do a let's do a ball for the countess yeah to kind of rehab rehabilitate her image yeah um, and so they go to the Vanderleins, who are like the ultimate family in this society. Yeah. 
They're like the the head of the mob. They're the Rockefellers. Yeah, they're the, yeah. they're the Rockefeller essential. Yeah. Um, and so and they're, they're played by Michael Guff, which I was so excited to see Michael Guff in this movie. Mm-hmm. I get so excited when Michael Guff pops up in things. Yeah. Um, because I mostly just know him as Alfred. <laughs> and, 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 um, in, this um, t- in this time period, that is. Real quick, I, I do want to make a comment. Are we get, we're at the di- we're at the dinner party. Yes, right? we are at the dinner party. The score, yes, by Elmer Bernstein, is like this victorious, like we did it, guys. Score. You guys notice that how it's mm-hmm. like there's like key changes multiple times, like it's almost like this grand, awesome, amazing thing we're doing for Oleska. Yes, and it's great. And I, I only thought about it. I pointed it out because I literally just watched it behind Jeff's back uh-huh. like five yeah. minutes ago. And it just it really stuck with me of like this is a very interesting to put like your grandest like victorious music score in this moment of the movie when what's going to happen in the scene is the beginning of the of the downward spiral. Well, the score is a function of the society in this movie. The yes. score is in opposition to Newland Archer in yes. this movie. Yeah, the score is fighting him. Yes, yes, dig, yeah. dig, dig yeah. deeper. No, because <laughs> the, yes, yeah, no, go, go. The, the, let him cook. Let um, him cook. No, the thing, Age of Innocence. What Scorsese's doing with the form versus you know the function of the movie is that all of the formal like elegance of this movie is a function of this high society. It's a function of the Gilded Age. It's a function of America at this time period of the Age of Innocence. Yeah. And all of those elements are entirely, you know, they're they're trying to trap Newland Archer and they're fighting against him. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere he goes, he's now trapped in some new beautiful room that a production designer spent hours working on. The score is encouraging him to follow in love with May. Like he's basically just spends the whole movie fighting the formal constructions of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's constantly just like, I just want to be in like my fucking little romance on the beach. You can have a fiddle playing, but they're hitting women with this constant swelling score of you're going to get married. You're going to have kids. Look at her. She's so wistful over there. You can never have that. You can never have that relationship. And he's like, all right, that's what this movie is telling me. The score is telling me this beautiful set design is telling me I need to be over here, not over there. I'm just OK. I'll fucking do it. Fine. And that no, that's. That's what, when you bring up Elmer Burns, like, you're bringing it up. Like, Elmer Burns seems like playing this is like the major victory of the movie is, don't worry, guys, they got the Countess back in with the fucking Van Der Leidens. And I'm like, who the fuck cares about these people? Yeah. And that's what Newland Archer's thinking, too. But he can't say it because he feels like he's trapped. Yeah. Yeah. He never had a choice from the moment he was born. He was destined for this life. He's trapped in the Matrix. Except the Matrix is 1870s at New York City. Yeah. Well, if if, if he's in opposition to the music, do you think Scorsese is the villain it, of the movie? No, is he is he on his side? I feel like the camera can feel subjective in ways, like when they're on yeah. the balcony and he just like irises in on them, oh. and it, he like you know clears the mechanism. You know, everybody yeah. just drowns out, and it's just the yeah. two of them talking. I think that the, you know, there's moments where. And I'm t- even just talking about like the blowouts with the flowers, yeah. you know, and stuff like that, where it's an incredibly emotional camera. Yeah, well, th- it's this an incredibly the camera work in this movie. It's it's all POV based. I don't think there's a scene in this movie that Newland Archer is not in. Are there any sequences where he's not there? Uh, we ne- we no. never have May. We never have the Countess alone. It's all with Newland. Like the camera is with Newland, and it's with us. 
Yeah. But the formal constructions of the movie around them are with... Um, I just need like a one word to describe the society. Instead of having to say, they're with the Gilded Age. Well, um, I wanted to point something out that both of you are like right, right, like completely like talking right on the mark about, which is uh, Newland being the reluctant protagonist yeah. in a story that wasn't written for him. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is whenever he has the thoughts about Ellen or whenever he's doing something that he doesn't want to be doing the music goes along with it like it's the right thing to do and when he's doing something wrong the camera angles and everything about like the form and of the movie points as if he's doing a wrong thing yeah so like if he has thoughts about ellen like the camera looks at him in a way like not like he's in a scheming vibe but just kind of in a way where like he's well the the camera is catching all of his internal, you know, yeah. it's catching everything that's going on inside his head. Yeah, and because it, this, it, it because I think it's completely his POV. It's catching sort of him processing and nobody else being aware of, you know, the scorn on his face. For, yeah, for for Julius or something, you know, or it's catching him looking at her hands or his hand finding hers. It's you know, it's the hands bit is I think the most crucial yeah. one because it's like the camera would have you believe what he's doing is very scandalous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But is it? No. It's just, no. Right. It's just too, yeah. But that's what I think that's the ultimate point that you're making, Mark. And I think the ultimate point, Jeff, you're making, Mark, is the entire movie is set in a trajectory that isn't written or made for a guy like Newland Archer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was put in the middle of yeah. it is like the tragedy of the whole thing. Yeah, this should be a triumphant quote-unquote triumphant romantic story yeah. about the the love between Newland Archer and Mae Welland. And instead he keeps getting sidetracked off of, you know, essentially what he should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do we, we want to talk about Winona a little bit or just even like Mae's character, Mae's function? There, She's so fascinating. I, I, think, some... I, think I, can, I think I can quickly summarize the next scene and get us to like talking yeah. about Winona. In yeah. Because yeah. yeah. when they start to, when they shorten the, we're very close to when they yeah. shorten the engagement. And they start, you know, speed running things to, to, to get. Yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of where I want to get before we really delve into Winona, yeah. because um, they have this big Vanderleiden party, um, where you know the Countess is welcome back into high society, uh, but she also meets Julius Beaufort, who keeps being described as like the cad of New York. Yeah. <laughs> like I like that. Like yeah. everyone's like, oh, old Julius, <laughs> he's constantly a womanizer. Yes. Yeah. Um, this fucking cane. Yeah, he doesn't, and he doesn't even like hide. He it. looks like a fucking schmuck. Um, but the, and he starts essentially, you know, courting the countess. Um, and you know, Newland is so internally he's offended by the fact that he put all this work into getting the countess back in society, and now um, she's like being courted by Julius Beaufort. And he's offended for the wrong reasons, according to the society. Yeah. He's offended because what he we, feels he yeah. feels slighted. Yeah. But also, he she's the thing he wants. And but the society is also looking down upon him, which is going to show both Julius's trajectory for the different reason, which yeah. is you don't go after a woman who's married. Yeah. And Julius is married. No. He's yeah. Not, he, no, he is married. He's married to the. This, He's married already, but yeah, yeah but that's a. I thought he got married. But that's a very there. that's a very telling thing is that they're all right if you step outside of your marriage. You just have to keep the marriage. Yeah, like you can have affairs. That's fine. But by you the just, end of the movie, everybody is accepted in society. Yeah. That you know, Newland loves right. Ellen. Yeah, 
you, you know, can have affairs. You can have other loves, affair, but you just but need to. But it, but it does go against the grain of society, though, when it's he does reach his downfall because once Julius is because there's something in the movie where like you know the economy crashes his his lifestyle and all that stuff, and they talk about like they make jokes about like oh like one day in 20 years I'm probably going to meet a bastard of Julius or mm-hmm. whatever. Like they it all comes back essentially yeah. is that. You know, everybody knew it's like, well, he's going to reap what he sows. And look, look, where there he is. He's yeah. reaping what he sowed. Like, so like, that's what society would be like offended for Julius. But Newland doesn't see it that way yeah. whatsoever. He's he's looking in a completely different direction of why he's offended by that. Yeah. What do you guys think um, Ellen thinks of, of Julius Beaufort? I think she thinks of him as a pig. Yeah. I think she kind of just looks at him the same way she looks at her husband. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, yeah, he's charming and he's nice. Um but he's just kind of a means to an end. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, a fling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll deal with him. I'll put up with him. But I still kind of, I'm not getting locked down to anything. I want my... Freedom. I want my freedom. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she ever considers the house he, yeah. he tries to buy for her or, or, you know, or tries to set yeah. her up with one that's on the market. I don't think... Um, yeah. These things are just I, not well, relevant I also to her. I wonder if because she's so ostracized, he's just somebody who... Yeah, who, can protect who, her. Who is coming around and protecting her and sort of like keeping her yeah. in. Yeah. She knows how to is. use the trappings of society to yeah. protect herself. Yeah. Yes, that's good. But uh, it's the, it's because of his, um, because Newland feels kind of slighted, this is when he kind of prematurely announces their engagement. Well, what what happens a little bit, I just want to quickly, I can knock these, these points out yeah. very quickly, where he has a conversation with, I think it's May's father or somebody else, where he's like, you need to take on... Uh, Oledska's divorce case. Yeah, like, oh, are you sure? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to her cousin. Like, you know, yeah. somebody else should handle that. It's like, no, they specifically requested you to be the one to handle it. And here's what you need to do: you need to convince her not to get a divorce. Yeah, it's like, why not? It's like it would pose a lot of. This is where we get the more details yeah. about you know the rumors of the secretary, things like that. It's like it would bring about a lot of things, and you're going to be married to that family. Mm-hmm. So it's in your best interest, it's in May's best interest, and it's in Ellen's best interest that you convince her not to do the divorce, yeah. which is what gets them their first like one-on-one alone conversation. Yes. Yeah, because he shows up, and this is where we're getting the first little peeks that Beaufort is trying to like weasel his way in yeah. there a little bit. You know, he sees the cane, and yeah. you know, he shows up at one point. But yeah, they have that conversation about like, hey, so you know, I'm being asked to talk to you about the divorce case like oh you're taking it on oh that's great that's awesome it's like yeah um i don't think you should do it <laughs> and <laughs> and she's like oh, oh why it's like just because like there's there's gonna be a lot of things come out yeah whether they're founded or unfounded the society we live in like he's very candid about this to ellen he says the society we live in like it's gonna look worse on you that's gonna look on him that's yeah. just the world we live in right now, and yeah. if if not for yourself, do it for May and May and May's family because that's who it'll yeah. also affect. And so she takes that in and she's like, "Okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense to me." Yeah. And so we go from there to, I think, uh, what you were alluding to, Jeff, uh, plot wise, which is, I think, like him and Ellen have more and more one on one time yes. after that. Um, at some point may then goes to St. Augustine and there is, this is where like the language that they use together is so like dancingly. Yeah. 
around the same subject because she asked him, well, it's like, what do you do in Mays and St. Augustine? It's like, I work. Yeah. Like. It's not, it's a room, it's a marriage of convenience. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you do get the impression that Winona does actually love Newland. Um, but yeah. she kind of just loves him for like, I'm trying to think of the word. Well, I get the impression I, 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 too that Newland's whole thing is he like, you know, he wants what he can't have. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know if it's in the text in the book or in the movie, but I, I get the impression that Richard E. Grant and May were either involved or he was pursuing yes. her and he became infatuated with her in some way. And yes. they had a very, through his charm, he quickly won her over and they got engaged very quickly. Well, it's arranged. It's arranged, but, you know. It's arranged, but not arranged. It's, yeah. That's, that's the that. whole point of the line of the yeah. movie where he says, like, well, don't you know that we don't believe in arranged marriages in our country? And he's saying that, and Daniel Day-Lewis could almost have fucking winked at that line. Yeah. You know? Like, he almost could have, like, done a little double-take wink. Because yeah. it's like, they're, it's clearly an arranged marriage like between been, him and May. Cross, their, their whole goal is crossing bloodlines to secure wealth. Yes. And, that's like, the all passage of wealth through generations. It's the family, family, you know, combining. There's, the, there's that line about, like, well, don't you guys think you should get to know each other before yes. you actually get married? And that's yeah. coming engaged, from but May's like, mom. Yeah. You guys don't know each other yet. Right. You yeah. want to expedite this thing, but, like... Right. And and so talk. <laughs> have a conversation. We're going to get more of the same beats of this where like they come together and they dance around the subject of uh, will they won't they. Um and then when Newland starts to feel that emotional tug of like oh god like yeah I'm, I might be falling I can't for... fight this feeling any longer I like think that kind of shit. that like if I just fucking marry May, yeah. you know what I'm yes, saying? Then, I, then this will all go away. It will all go away because I won't be able to think about her. Yeah. I will be so tied down to this. Yeah, I will be I will be it would be, I will be it would, locked. It would be in. so fucking wrong. And this would ease my sorrow. <laughs> so, but I I think also secretly he knows, oh, this will make it so much more intense. Yeah. yeah. This will make the hurt so oh, much more yeah. intense. I want, you know, he, yeah. he wants crazed. to feel something even if it's pain. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything every everybody else is so dead and empty yeah. and he's just like Yes. Everyone's he's a husk reading his in this poems. Movie. He's reading his, you know, he's just crying by the fire. Yeah, and he's crumpling these things up, and he's and and to listen as we're going through this movie, like there's a this is a lot of um like business happening in this movie, and it's a lot and, of the same scenes. Yeah, a lot of the back, same repetition, but with like different context. And yeah, they, uh, they more and, but, and the thing time. I texted Stuart after I first watched this movie because the first time I seen this movie, Mark, you'd seen it before. Yeah, um, but I texted Stuart and I said. Hey, so the thing about The Age of Innocence is that you basically spend 90% of the movie being like, this is like lovely and sumptuous and great, but I don't, like, what What are we kind of doing here? Like, what? what is, <laughs> like, what's the, yeah. what's the, what's the end goal of all this? Yeah. And then the last 15 minutes of this movie, which we will get to, recontextualize the whole thing as like, the hollowness of the movie is intentional. Yes. It's, it's part of, of the gumbo. Yeah. But I think it's so. Yeah. I think I don't think it's hollow at all. Like I think even the first ninety. I, I think it's. I think Newland is not hollow, but I think the movie itself is kind of very hollow in its construction. All these people look like they're about to explode. Yes, I think. I think you know yeah. they're all like yeah. they're all holding in so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the people who the people other people in society who are holding are yeah. so angry. How dare you yeah. feel the things that I I don't let myself express? Yeah, and there's that sort of resentment and anger. Yeah. But the each other. the people they all have that stuff because tra- everybody is everybody feels yeah. these same things. Yeah. But it's about who has it under control yeah. and who doesn't. All these people have this stuff and they have it bottled inside yeah. of themselves. 
which means the movie itself is hollow to me. Yeah. Like none of that stuff, none of that emotion is being allowed to be displayed in um like a textual way. It's all subtext. And so the but movie it's- itself kind of progresses as this like hollow, like husks walking through the day by day. Until finally, like one of them just fucking explodes. I, I don't. I don't think they're about to explode. I think yeah. they're literally about to shrivel up and die. Yeah. Yes. It's like yeah, they're yeah, so soulless. It's like have yeah. you ever? I mean, listen, we have this already yeah. today, where it's like you're doing an unfulfilling job, and mm. you feel like you wake up in the morning, you go home, you go to sleep, you wake yeah. up, do the same thing, and you feel that emptiness in you. Yeah. That one day you're just gonna like, yeah, and just die. That's it. Um, plot point moment here that i because i really want to get to something specific but first i have to ask so mark you mentioned like he's so enthralled with it that he thinks if he just gets married it'll go away and i think that brings us to where he literally flees to saint augustine to go see may yeah he flees he flees to the south yeah he flees to the south and he sees may they have like, this wonderful connection and may went on and i was like oh my god like you're here it's like i just wanted to see you and he says i've been wanting to say something I think we should just get married, like, right away. Yeah. Like, right now. It's we like, should expedite this. And so they have to go talk to the family, specifically mm-hmm. Mrs. Mingus. Well, bef- before they go and talk to anyone, the thing... This is when Winona kind of kicks it into high gear. And I think we should talk about Winona. Let's now. talk about Winona. Let's do it. Because for the first half of this movie, she ha- she is just kind of portrayed as, like, um, as, like, a cute, like... She's just, clueless. She's, she's, yeah, she's kind of just clueless. Clueless. She's, she's kind of just going through the motions of this society, and she's happy to do it. But it's the last thirty yeah. fucking minutes. But it's this. It's this sequence where you start to realize is Winona maybe secretly the smartest character in the movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Like, 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 yes. Like you kind of think of her oh. as like just kind of. I I don't like to use this word, but I'm going to use the word like she's kind of the bimbo for the first like. Not she's yeah. not a bimbo. She's just like she's just like she's so fucking she's good at the playing thing. the game. She's but, so good at the thing. But that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Is like for the that first hour, like you kind of think that that's just like she's happy in all this. Like she's happy to just like be told where to go, what to do, how to play this, what to wear. Like she's happy to just go along with it all. And it's this first scene in Saint Augustine where you realize like, oh wait. She's she's very cognizant of everything. She's aware because she's because she says she's like, are you just doing this because you're afraid you're marrying the wrong person? Yeah. And like, that's something not even he has confessed to himself at this point. Yeah. 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 Um, And it like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I just. And that was something Scorsese talked about is like to him, Winona's the most important character of the movie. She absolutely because she's is. the only she's the one who clocks everything first, and understands everything, and is the smartest one, and like can see through Newland like he's a fucking sheet of translucent paper. Yeah, like she folds him like laundry every scene. She's like, I every, know who my cousin is. I know how it, yeah. interesting and yeah. sort of you know. She's like, I know that she's more you know compelling than me. Is that the only reason why we're getting married, or do you actually love me? And you can when he lies to her yeah he insists no he i insists, do love you. no i do love you and he says over and over again it's like no 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 it's like i do then they kiss and they hug yeah. and the camera like beautifully pulls in on pushes in on winona's face who is like not quite buying yeah, she's it. not fully convinced she's not fully convinced. winona gets the oscar nom like i i think this is 
probably the best performance of hers that we've covered, maybe. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. No. It's probably no your best question. Like, yeah. Your best performance. No yeah. fucking question. It yeah. is. It's like it's in a different league yeah. because of she's, everything she's done. This this is a performance entirely behind the eyes. Yeah. Like she's never she never has a scene where she just comes out and is like, yeah, I see through all the bullshit. New yeah, one. it's like, like I know have, you love Ellen. Blah blah ev- blah blah. Everything blah. is being displayed, but through her looks. And her, you know, intonations, the way that she kind of, the way that she'll turn her head. When we get to the pregnancy the in- reveal is scene. Is she evil? <laughs> is she evil? Well, when we get to the pregnancy reveal <sighs> scene. Oh, my. What, during our last episode God. of Dracula, uh, guest Cole Bradley did ask us to determine, is Winona Ryder playing Satan, the Lord of Darkness in this movie? In, in, um, in Age of Innocence? Yeah. He did ask <laughs> us that. <laughs> no. But, like. In the sense that she, she represents to Newland kind of this like, um, it's she's the Mephistopheles to his Faust. If we want to bring back the opera yeah, allegory, I I would almost say that she's the temptation, kind of trying to lure him into being trapped in hell. I I would also say, in my yeah. personal interpretation, yeah. maybe wrong, maybe incorrect. Yeah. You guys, there's no incorrect personal interpretation. Uh, uh, she is just as much of a victim in this preordained societal script yeah. as he is, but she's just accepted it. Yeah, she's accepted and happy to play it. Yeah, I think she's like a secret orchestrator yeah. of it all. Mm-hmm. I also think she's... I think she's doing the best job she can to like keep it pre-written the way it is. Mm-hmm. Where it's like She said any- when the going gets tough, she gets going. Yeah, and and whenever something starts to divvy away from the pre-written script that she's been writing on she knows how to ever so slightly like caress it so it fixes Mm -hmm. itself yeah like he doesn't leave for japan she gets pregnant yeah she wants to trap him i don't know i don't see her character that way but maybe i'm wrong maybe she is i I don't think she's like intentionally evil mark i feel like what, what let's hear what you got to say about this about the Monona. Like us. if we're Help just us. talking about like people, yeah. you know, we strip all the the rules and bullshit yeah. away. It's like she's the one person who's aware. Yeah. Of everything. She understands Ellen and Newland's thing more than they do. Yes. And she's the one person who could orchestrate that whole thing to fall in line with each other. Yeah. She knows she doesn't love Newland. Yeah. And the Newland doesn't love her. So what other than sort of like her uh, responsibility to society yeah. is holding her to this. And she's the one thing keeping them essentially yeah. away. You know, yeah. she's not willing to help him make the hard choice if she cared about him. Yeah. So it's, you know, everybody in this movie is selfish in a way. Yeah. But she's maybe the most. She's the one with any sort of, you know, and he also could just, you know, Decide to break the rules, and he, you know, I think is too bent on torturing himself yeah. to do that. But I also think she clocks that, and she clocks it as destroying him, mm-hmm. and she'd rather just have him bottle it up and keep it inside yeah. for for her. The usage. most like the most like the biggest part of this movie that fascinates me is like the twenty six years mm-hmm. between when they do have their baby and yeah. she passes away. Yeah, like I, I want to know what their life is like. Do you guys think? They found it. It feels like they did. It feels like he totally respects her by we the end. We are told that yeah. it was a loving marriage. No. We but, are told that. Yeah. 
by the fact that when she died that he truthfully mourned her and it feels like she paints that experience to their son yeah you know yeah and and and, and his line of no she never said that Mm-hmm. Like she, she never asked never, me. She, she, she no, yeah, she never asked oh, me that. Oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, never yeah. asked me that. She oh, like, how'd you interpret that? That that's a lie. Yeah, mm. yeah. I I thought that too, but I was like him realizing now after her death, like she, oh, baby, we still we were always playing the game. Maybe I thought yeah. we had found some groove, but it was you know. What do you think? I I know I I I I can't disagree because I think that's just factually right. Yeah, I think that that's just if you if you if you take the text of what's written and what uh, what's the actor's name who plays the oldest son, uh, the one who dies in in uh, a dead poet society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think I don't fucking know? It's who, the dead one. It's the dead what one. Fuck, uh, what's his name? God damn it! He's also in House as Wilson. Is it Robert? Robert Sean, Sean Leonard. Leonard. Robert Whoa. Sean Leonard. Uh, Robert Sean Leonard, who says like you know, don't think I don't know the sacrifices you've made to this family he's like what do you mean like well mom told me about you and aunt helen that you had to give up the thing like when she asked what you wanted you gave up the thing you, you give the thing you wanted, wanted the, the most, most for her for her and his only response is she didn't ask me yeah she never asked she just kind of she literally got pregnant and pressured me into it. Yeah. Well, then is she. It's the only way to interpret it, though. No, but yeah. she, how else do you interpret it? Well, is she hmm. painting him to be a hero for, for yes. their son? Yes. You know, she knows yeah. he deserves that. Yes. Um, and he had to go through that alone. Yeah. So he knows. Now, if like I think she he thinks still he's a done, great man for yeah. doing what he did. Yeah. But. Even though she did have to kind of like put the pressure on a little bit with like the marriage, the pregnancy, the kids, yeah. do you th- all that stuff. Do you think he thinks it would have been easier if she'd asked him? Is that what his sort of like, if she had just asked me, well, she, instead of me having to internalize yeah. and fight with myself over it? Not a relevant thing to introduce into this, but she kind of did fucking ask him at St. Mm-hmm. Augustine, Florida. Like she did say, like, are you just wanting to expedite this marriage because you love somebody else? Like that's the moment. Now I know that's not relevant because we're talking about later. Yeah. When he keeps wanting to tell okay, well, her, then does he lie to their son? No, I'm saying no. Like, he doesn't in, lie to in their the son, first think, no. in, in the first um, uh, drawing room scene when he says I have something to tell you, and then the maid comes in and says Aunt had the stroke. Mm. That's attempt number one. Right. Yes. Attempt number two is when she gives up. She tells him she's pregnant. So that's what we're talking about. Now, the question you're posing is if that had actually been the conversation that it ended with, whether, hey, I'm pregnant or, hey, I'm not pregnant, but, you know, you have something to tell me. And they like if that scene, instead of the way it pans out, turned into this whole grand scene of like, I have something to tell you, I'm actually in love with your cousin, Ellen. I think I'm I think you and I aren't right together, blah, 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 all that stuff. I know we're married, blah, blah, blah. I know all this things going on, but this is what I'm going through right now. And she just said, like, well. Do you want to be with Ellen? Yeah. Or me? If that's how that scene had went, I think he still would have said no and gone with no, Meg. No, I think the end of the movie, like... Because he's so I, hell-bent on torturing himself. Yeah, do we want to get to the very end real quick? Let's talk about it. Do we want to speed run? I can just speed run the next, like, 30 We minutes. shouldn't speed run. Well, I, we, we shouldn't, I think we about, shouldn't we speed even, run. We haven't even talked about their kiss, the first one. Yeah. We haven't talked about the carriage. Let's not speed run. Let's, okay. let's get into about, it. This I is going to be a long episode. Yeah. Let's, let's, okay. How long do you have, Stu? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry, okay. don't worry about it. Uh, Good. 
Good. Uh, that's why I was getting ready to speed run, but uh, no, no, like, no, okay. don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the ether has shifted. I have accepted did, a long Didn't we use that for the, the Cole Keanu here ranking? Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. Uh, um, so, uh, the reason, uh, way, way earlier, I said yeah. there's a few plot points I want to talk about because I want to get to a specific moment. The yeah. Specific moments when he goes to the cottage yes. and she's there. Yeah. Uh, the first time. The first time. Yeah, because after he and you know says to May that we should you know push our engagement up, he goes back to New York, and then kind of like swayed by, oh my god, what did I just do? He like rushes to find the countess, um, Ellen, is just like, and finally professes his love to her. Yes. Um, and they're getting ready to be like, all right, we're gonna finally you know commit to this, and then they get the telegram. That says, our engagement got moved up. <laughs> our wedding's been moved up. Yep. It's going to be in one week he or one month. He essentially like cucks himself. Um, undercuts his own goals there. And it's in the same... Is it the same conversation or is it the conversation after this? This is still before they've gotten married. Yeah. Where they get together and he says, he says again, like, I, like, I want you... And she says, you told me to not accept the divorce and this is wrong, all those things. And he is like in pain. At one point he like bends himself over to like kiss her feet. Yeah. Camera, camera work in this is camera and editing of this. The whole frame, the whole composition. Like just bent over each other. This movie has very Uh, romantic. Absorbing one another. Like this movie has very romantic compositions. I mean romantic in the art style. Not the heartbreaking. And and it's like like they're all caressing each other yet not. And at one point they do kiss. This is the scene where they first kiss. Yes. And this is when the carriage is supposed to come to take her to the dinner party Mm -hmm. that the Beauforts are putting on for her. Um Yes, because that's what we talked about with the cottage, which we didn't talk about the cottage yet. Oh God, I got. It. There's two cottage moments we have to talk about. There's a about. lot of cottage. Uh, there's <laughs> Mark, one. What, what is that face there's you're one doing? cottage. It's so sad. Um, so, so sad. Let me get to the cottage. Let me get to the cottage. Yeah, this talk is, about the cottage. Well, Go off. Game. I need to ask you guys. Keep me honest on this. Is the first cottage scene after before they kissed? I don't remember. I, it's I the cottage answer. scene I cannot where he this shows up. I watched this movie a week. They ago. have a talk, and then Julius Beaufort cock blocks him, and so that's before they kiss. It is before they that's kissed. Early in the movie. Okay, great. Yeah. Then there's a letter. Then he gets while he's in New York that Count Oleska. So this is before they kiss, but this is when they're very clearly yeah. aware of each other's feelings. Yeah, and this is when she first tries to escape from him. Literally, yeah, because she runs off and he tracks down like this cottage, essentially goes to the cottage. He gets there. and It's like, did you run away to not fall in love with me? Mm-hmm. My interpretation. Yeah, but that's bullshit. She did not run away to not fall in love with him. Or maybe she did. But that's not like the primary reason. The primary reason I felt like she ran away was for him to not fall in love with her. But he is putting on this facade of like she loves me she loves me yeah. i know she loves me and maybe she does well, or did yeah, or a little it, bit that's him at the plays i want her to be missing me when i'm gone yeah I'm seeing, yeah you know, he's watching you know yes and, and that's when he's like oh, he's just like fuck like yeah. i'm just the cla- civil you know, war soldier yeah. and she's the wife no, like he's just 
he sees her cry in the play as he leaves the room. Yeah. And he's like, he, he sees that as his reality. And he lo- looks at her across the fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's looking at her. And that's when <gasps> he goes over there. And it Iris and is in the on the Iris is in all the. Like, I don't even background. remember what they're talking about. I just like. <laughs> I'll, know, I'll tell you because it? it's so good. <laughs> it Iris is in all the background dialogue that was happening with the aristocrats fades out, and we zoom in and it almost like she does open her mouth, so and like talks, but it almost could have been like a telepathic communication because the first thing she says is. Do you think her lover sends her yellow roses after her husband's gone? <laughs> you just had to ruin that fucking. No, that, that's that's my Stuart hype. Was, that's a hype song Stuart for Stuart. Stuart was fucking playing this like with the song. guitar over here. That's a hype song for Stuart. That was a hype song. That for was. That was. I'm controlling the buttons. I applauded myself. You did a flog um, Yeah. She says, do you think her lover mm-hmm. sends her yellow roses after he left? Yeah. And the stage light turns over. Because then of, she it looks. Breaks the, it breaks the logic of the movie. Yeah. And it turns over and it lights her yeah. back. It's like, it's the first time in the movie where it's out in the open in front of them too. Yeah. Where like, they're both very aware well, of what's going on here. And the thing is, if we're talking about the logic of the movie... Um, and the, you know the light kind of making that move, kind of you know it's the first time that the movie is on their side. Yeah, like yes, it their, is. Their love is almost becoming so powerful that it's shifting the world around them. And the like the the inner diegesis of the world is now like on like favoring their relationship. Yeah. Um, but they quickly like have to drop it. And I'm very sorry to say this because it's not as impactful if the audience doesn't know. The reason why she says that line about the yellow rose is because very early in the movie, after the failed dinner attempt, he sends her a batch of yellow, a yellow yeah. rose bouquet. Yeah. Which everybody knew about, by the way. He didn't do that by secret yeah. because this is the first thing where Winona, we're going back now, <laughs> back to the beginning of the movie a little bit. Because this is where Winona says, like, oh, and um, that was very nice of you to send that bouquet he, he, to he, Ellen. He kind of like, well, he's like, and I, I, I sent you some flowers. and I, Because right. she's new here, I sent her some. I sent too. her some flowers, too. Yeah. It's just like, she's like, oh, great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's great. You know what? <laughs> Ellen didn't mention that. Uh-huh, yeah. And she said, and that's the, you know, it's the first time of the movie where it's like, you know, I had not, at that point, not clocked how smart of a character Winona, Winona was. was in this movie. So to me, it's like, oh, oh she's she, the smartest. She she is just like kind of blase about like, oh, like Ellen didn't mention that. Ha 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 ha. But if you re- really rethink that moment, it's like, Ellen didn't fucking mention that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's what she's really saying. Um, So fucking good. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this movie so it's much. It's so good. Um, So where we, where we were in the story is that um, she left you into the cottage. They finally made the commit like Ellen and um, Archer Newland had had finally like professed their love to each other and they're getting ready to like, all right, well, we can just live in in this now. And then getting to the scene with the boat, right? And then the telegram. Yes, we're getting very close to the scene with the boat. Okay. That's the second cottage. When the scene with the boat comes up, we're going to be barking like dogs. (laughs) Um, We're going to be hooting and hollering. Um. (laughs) <laughs> so Stuart I can see you're pulling something up oh my goodness just just keep going just keep doing what you're doing and so the 
the telegram arrives and Newland has essentially like cucked himself. Like he put, he was foolish to fly, uh, head down to St. Augustine and get that commitment from May um, that she agreed with. And now he's locked into that marriage. And even though he finally has the countess, he can't have her. And so we then, ju- we, there's a time jump at this point. Um, the wedding and the honeymoon happen. They go to Europe. Um, and Newland kind of just describes the various places they go in, in Europe. They went to, they go to France. They go to, where else do they go in, in Europe? I forget. It's like France, a little bit in London. And all of them, they're like, we get essentially a dinner party in each country. Mm-hmm. Like they're essentially being welcomed into the worldwide high society. Yeah. The global society of, you know, European nations. And the thing that I find so brilliant about what Scorsese says he does here is they all look the same. Yeah. Every country he goes to just looks like the dinner parties we've already been to in the U.S. It's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Just different, different. Um, and I'm sorry, Jeff, you said this is right after they got married. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is essentially like, it's almost essentially a montage. Yeah. But he does describe them having a nice honeymoon. Yeah. Um, but there are moments where it's yeah. like, the there are some moments where it gets interrupted with the little jolts of like, what does he say when they're in the carriage? And he says something like, we should do something like this. And she kind of just like passively says, I don't, I don't know if we should be doing that. And then the narration goes in as they continue to stroll away silently where the narration is like, and that was the first of many moments that Newland knew that this wasn't mm-hmm. going to be the life he wanted. Something like that. I don't know. It was a very small little disagreement that didn't blow up into a fight whatsoever, but it was just kind of like a moment of like, no to being like, no, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah. And the narration just kind of fills in the gaps of his head. It's like, yeah, this was a mistake. Mm-hmm. This, this 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 wasn't something I should have done. Um, are we in the second cottage at the lighthouse boat scene? Yes. Because she says uh, they were going to go to a cottage, but then the cottage was not became unavailable. Yeah. So then, Madam, so then Countess Oleska um, recommended a cottage to the Vanderleidens, who offered yeah. it to them. This beautiful cottage, and then it fades in. It's the same fucking cottage that they were in earlier in the movie. So they pull up and uh, they see the Mrs. Mingotts is there, uh, the grandmother. She says, oh, well, it just so happens as you guys arrived, uh, Ellen went down for a walk down the beach or whatever. It's like, oh, grandson, why don't you go? And this is the first time that Newland has seen her in probably several months, if not a year. Yeah. And so it's like, why don't you go and, uh, and and go and grab her? Did she come back to take care of her grandmother? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember why she's back. Not, not quite yet, because this is when the first incident where he tries to tell May, and they're interrupted by the telegram that she got a stroke. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't happened okay. yet. But, and I only say that because it's important-ish for the movie. That yeah. so they go to that cottage. Mrs. Mingotts is there, and she says, "Oh, Ellen went down the road to walk by the beach. Oh, grandson, why did you go and fetch her?" So he walks down. To this path, sees um, uh, Ellen, Ellen at the end of a pier. At the end of there's a, a pier. lighthouse in the distance. Are you playing the score to the scene? No, I'm playing the scene. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is this is. He had heard her name often enough during the year and a half since they had last met. 
He was even familiar with the main incidents of her life. But he heard all these accounts. With I like that we have it playing on two screens right now, and Mark is reading the book. I'm reading the book right now. <laughs> but the past had come again into the present, as in those newly discovered caverns in Tuscany, where children had lit bunches of straw and seen old images staring from the wall. I'm just going to let this play out. Beautiful sunset imagery of the lighthouse and Ellen at the end of the pier. Jeff, please. Uh, Ellen at the he end of the pier. He gave himself a single chance. She must turn before the sailboat crosses the Lime Rock Light. Then he would go to her. At this point, we're just seeing the He's boat. Like slowly approaching the lighthouse and but he's like this is cosmic like right this is meant to be this is meant to she'll be turn around she'll turn around wouldn't i like in the book he's literally saying like if she was behind me i would know it i would know it i would know it and i would turn if she was mm -hmm. right there yep and if this is meant to be yep she will sense that i'm behind him. hammer yes. on the fucking she'll, head she'll of the nail mark this That's... this to him is the final chance but what he doesn't know is that he's the one who fucking turns too quickly mm-hmm because she he will always, he will always torture himself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and she never turned around. He thinks he would turn so, for her, but he doesn't. And he's a bit let down, but then he turns back around to see if she does it again, and nope. Then he walks away. This is the best movie ever, uh, Jeff. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, go watch it again. Sit with it again. I'm like, gonna watch it, it again. It'll, it'll, stand watch right now. Want <laughs> to throw it on again? So I mean, and but we're gonna. There's a, then the neck the I think I said not the next scene or the two scenes after where it also contextualizes it more because mm. then they meet up again, yeah. and I think it's at another dinner party or I don't think it's the two of them alone. Well, I I I I, I think that we, um, missed. I think I do think that we got the timeline slightly incorrect. Is that I do believe that the stroke has already happened and that's why Ellen is with Mrs. Mingan. Yeah. Right. <sighs> yeah, I think you're right. Mm. I think you're right. Because every time Newland gets close to telling May the truth, which she already knows, a telegram arrives with some nightmares <laughs> information. Yeah, that she had a stroke. And um, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and that's why that's why Ellen is with Mrs. Mingott at this time. But she's back in New York. And and the next scene with Ellen and Newland, I I don't remember if they're alone or if it's at a dinner party. Because the line is said very passingly, where he said, "Why didn't you come fetch me by the pier?" Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, well, you're going to think it's silly. I thought if you had turned around, I would come grab you. Yeah. And she said, oh, well, I knew you were there. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for you to come to me. Come to me. So they're it's both like, waiting for like this cosmic incidence when all it requires is them to just fucking do talk it. To, you know, just just to be honest with each other and open up like their emotions. But in he, this world of like locked cages in, around your heart, it you know. All you have to do is say one word of truth, and but you could have love. But he's the one, and the ending. Yeah, the ending. The ending. Yeah. You'll find so out. then he's the one who doesn't believe. Yeah, he, not her. When we were going around around the world to Paris and all those places, he does meet um, who's the actor's name that plays the secretary? Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Uh, in passing, and there's even a conversation in the carriage where that's what Winona shut him down on. He says, "What did you think about that?" Uh, gentleman who's jonathan price playing it's like what do you think oh i didn't really uh talk to him that much like i would love to have him over for dinner at some point it's like oh he seemed kind of common 
It's like common. What does that mm. even mean? That's what the narration says, and that's when he knew the marriage was doomed. <laughs> like <laughs> that's like literally what the narration kind of says already. And then he meet he sees him again in New York, and because it's when he wants to go with Madame Oleska or Count Oles- Countess Oleska somewhere, and she has to go to her hotel to get something. And he's waiting on her, and out comes Jonathan Price, yeah. who. They clock each other, but don't say anything. And then Count Ellen comes out. Anyway, I don't remember what happens between the next thing I'll just mention is then he sees Jonathan Price again. Yeah. And they meet up and they say, weren't you the gentleman I met in Paris? Like, oh, yeah, I was. And it's like, who are you? It's like, actually, I was sent by the Count. And they're like, oh, are you the... It's like, I'm the, sec- the secretary. I'm the secretary. And that's when he says, listen, the Count is going to give Ellen another deal to come back that's what's been happening throughout this movie is the count's been like mailing her letters of different offers and bribes to to get her to come back to poland yeah and some of them are like as had some of them are like as thin because she even says it's like what would the what would the deal include it's like just to sit at his table every once in a while Mm -hmm. like literally she can have she can have whatever affair she wants as long as she as long as she's there and so then (laughs) he was like Fuck, that sounds great. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so then uh, he he's, he says, like, you know, it's important that you convince her not to go back to him. Like, he was really awful to her. And he's like, well, she's going to Boston right now. Or no, this is when she's already in Boston. So, or I'm lost. Help. Lifeline. <laughs> Lifeline here. Where am I? Um, I mean, the Countess, They're gonna. she's going to go back to Europe, right? Yeah. Eventually we reach that moment. Yeah. It's it's the it's the moment where she find she and Newland have their you know their um and what do you d- call it like a rendezvous yeah and they're finally getting ready to consummate their relationship and like be honest with each other after the seventeen times they have declined to do so before and she pulls away from him at the last minute and says that she wants to return to Europe yeah um and he's well he yeah. it's not her that tells him it's Winona. Mm-hmm. Because that's the key thread of, the, of it all is every new rev- revelation in this movie about yeah. Ellen's personal life, he doesn't get from Ellen personally. It's when Nona who yeah. tells him about it. That she's returning to Europe. Yeah, and it's like, when did you find this out? Oh, about a week ago. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what? And this is where I, this moment, this is like the... And you do find out that this is a Winona orchestration. Yeah. At the end of it, May has put this all together. And. It's a Winona orchestration because the first half of Act Three is a breakup. Yeah, it's 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 Winona orchestrating Ellen firmly breaking up with Newland. Yes, like cutting it off and so coldlessly, heartlessly. Like she barely even gives him like a look across the room anymore. The mm. last dinner scene before she leaves. Yeah, that like, and that's when. He's reading books about Japan and all that stuff, and they meet back at that drawing room, and he says, I think I want to start traveling. Yeah. And, of course, like, we just got done with the fucking dinner scene where Madame Maleska's telling about, oh, I'm going to go back to Europe, blah, yeah. blah, 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 Might try traveling other places, and then cut, like, five minutes. They're Winona and Daniel Day-Lewis in the room alone. Newland's and, like, I think I want to travel. Yeah, and or she's travel like, travel too. well, you might have difficulty traveling because I'm... Prego my ego. The exact wording is because it's so beautiful. He's saying like, where do, where do you want to travel? Or she says, where do, where do you think you travel to? It's like, 
like you're talking like like France or Italy, it's like well maybe like like India or Japan. Mm-hmm. It's like oh that's far far. Yeah. It's like that's really far away. It's he like, wants to see the world. He wants like, to escape high society. Yeah, and and she and she. But I, you know, if he goes and he travels and he can go see Ellen. Yeah, yeah. you know, he can go. He can get see, lost. That's somewhere. the undertone, the undertone of the whole well, he, thing. He doesn't only just have to go see Ellen. He can be Ellen. Yeah, he can leave the country where he yeah. lives and is married and have his own rendezvous and affairs and. And, she, and loves and they're both sitting or he's standing he's by the fireplace. Mm-hmm. No, I think he's and he's standing by the fireplace. She's sitting down and she like slowly stands up and says, well, wherever you go, you have to take me with you. And then she kneels down right next to him and, and says, because I, I'm sure of something this morning. Mm-hmm. And you could almost see like Newland's soul like, leave his body, like the gut. And his heart just sink to his stomach. Yeah. You can see it happening of like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I talked to Ellen about it like two weeks ago or whatever. It's like, I thought you said you just were just sure of it this morning. <laughs> it's like, well, I wasn't sure what I talked to Ellen about it two weeks ago, but I'm sure of it now. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And then we get the, she. I feel like this is when Ellen comes and is, we get the montage. Well, no, because there's another one of my favorite moments that's so heartbreaking is when it's the last time he sees Ellen before yeah. the end of the movie where he's like, let me walk you to your carriage. To your carriage. And May's mom is like, no, we have a carriage pulling up. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. your dad. So, and he walks and, and, and May's and mom will. walks her out and I'm fucking screaming at my TV. I'm like, fucking look back. Like, turn back. Look at him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just watch her sit and look forward in the carriage as it yeah. pulls away. When May tells Newland in this revelation that, hey, um, the Countess is known for two weeks that I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's why she was looking away from Newland because she now doesn't want to destroy what she believes Newland has. And it's also alluded to in the movie that like They're, not only does May know and has have known this whole time. Everybody everybody knows. knows. Yeah. Everybody knows, like the rumor has spread, mm-hmm. and everybody is quietly aware of it. Hence, why the parents are like, "Oh no, we have a carriage. We can walk her to the carriage," and everybody just kind of like gives him glances and looks. Like everybody knows about it, and he has he from where he looked at Julius Beaufort in that way, he has kind of sunk to that level a little bit, where yeah. it's like everybody knows that new. Fa- that Newland was the lover. Like that's, so that's the thing that he sort of has to contend with. And then, and then I think it's the montage. And then it's, they had their, their, their child, their eldest son. And what what are you going to say? So I want to read a little Scorsese excerpt. Please. From this, uh, it's from the Winona book. Um, And it it goes back to a scene um, a few ago where, you know, Newland is trying to find an excuse to go visit the Countess in Washington. And so he tells uh, May that he's going to go to a Supreme Court case um, and then, like, gets stuck into this web of lies. Um, the thing is, it says, um, the, the aspect of May that intrigues Scorsese the most um, and his favorite scene in the movie, he admits, is, and one of the reasons that I wanted to make the film, is when Newland tells May that he has to travel to New York, to Washington to attend a Supreme Court hearing but in reality intends to visit the countess who also lives in the capital. 
Um, no sooner has he told his yarn that they learn the Countess is herself on her way back to New York and that Newland is expected to collect her from the railroad station. I'm sorry, asked May, but how can you go pick up Ellen when you have to go to Washington this afternoon? Oh, that's been postponed. But May, uh, and May realizes like immediately what's going on, that he just was looking for an excuse to go see her, and now that she's coming to New York anyway. Um, this is Scorsese's favorite scene in the movie, and he says, um, they both know that he has lied, but neither of them actually admits it. It's perfect for capturing how the facade of respectability and deceit can remain thoroughly intact when maneuvered with diplomacy. It's also um, Winona's favorite scene in the movie, and apparently after they filmed it, um, Catherine Scorsese, uh, Marty's mom, walked up to her and said, you handled it like a lady, I would have beat the hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the uh, like button on that story I really wanted to get to. That's really good. And she's like, yeah, if I, some guy pulled that shit on me with this countess, I would have beat the hell out she's of him. She's in the movie somewhere. She is in the movie. Yeah. Both of his parents are in the yeah. movie. This is the last time his dad's in a movie. Yeah, because his father dies before it was released. Um, then are we at the montage? Uh, yes. In the story, we are at the montage. The future montage, where we don't leave the drawing room. Because all these important events in his life happen in the drawing room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The camera just does, like, little... spins. 360 rotation, where it slowly fades in, like, different moments. Like, they have another kid. They have a daughter. Um, it's like, you know, this was the time when... It was like Ted, Bill, and Sarah or whatever. They have mm -hmm. like three kids. And, and it like, explains what they all go on to do. And they all have successful lives. They all have successful lives. And they it says up. that Archer has been a dutiful, loving father and husband. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, after 26 years, May yeah. slowly succumbed to an illness and yeah. passed away. And I'm like, fuck yeah! Yeah! <laughs> 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 No, but it's 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 it's. I think it's deployed in that way. Yeah, I think it's deployed. It's deployed this, like May's so gone. He's finally free, and that's what he's letting you. He's, yeah, he's giving you that hope for a minute. Yeah, that he's free. He's like what? He can just just like that. Yeah, of course she died. You know, and it's kind of this. I think this is a thing I think about a lot. This is kind of like meta removed from the movie. Is the idea that like the second you have, um, you're locked into a family and you have a kid, like your life stops being about yeah. you. Your life is now uh -huh. about your kids and your next generation. And on a personal level, I think about that a lot whenever I'm like even considering the possibility of having kids with them. I'm like, damn, that's just like an immediate cutoff of your life. And that's now someone else's. Oh yeah. Um, and the fact that Newland has like, that's what he gets immediately trapped into is like, this narration is never about him. No. It's never about what he does because he doesn't do anything of interest. It's also about how successful his kids are. Um, and how they all go on to live interesting lives that he could ne that he never you know had the courage or the ability to touch, and that he's just kind of trapped to being known as the father of them now. That's all he is. But May May is dead. Ding dong, the wicked witch. Minona <laughs> 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 uh, out of the movie. Yeah, and um, you know what would have been like the best song to play during this like intro or this what? like whole little sequence. Just do it. Just do it. What is this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this would have been the... It's Beethoven's Seventh Sonata, Second Movement. Yeah. It's the infamous End of the World song that's in every yeah. single movie. Just like the whole like camera turning yeah. around and it's like... Because in my opinion, it's like... This, this plays in X-Men Apocalypse when Apocalypse... 
picks up all the nukes and sends them into orbit. That's what I know this from. This is also in the Nicolas Cage movie, Knowing When the World Blows yeah. Up from a Solar Flare, something that we are actually very close to doing right now. Hey! Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to play that. Alex Proyas said Brian Singer thought of it. Martin <laughs> like the fucking connection. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. No, Coward. He, you know, he does something better, I think. Yeah, he does. He does well, it, well, he does the correct thing, very... which is a very happy, again, against the grain of Newland's entire desire. He never. Yeah. He didn't. This is played as a triumph. Like he's had a successful family and a successful life, and it's like the end of Titanic. You and know? yeah, it's that. It's the montage of Rose. Don't you know, don't don't bring up the end of Titanic. It's the no, please it is. It's do please similar, please <laughs> do not bring up the end of Titanic. Right now. Hi, hi Stuart. We're already about to talk about the end of the Age of Innocence. You cannot bring no, up. No, no, no. You cannot bring up the end of Titanic. No, no, no. The, no, no. the fucking second it cuts to the fucking interior of the boat. Boat. And James Horner starts spelling, and it CGI's into the like the the past boat, and it goes in, and Victor Garber's fucking at the top of the rails, baby. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Let's get through this. Let's get through this. Come Let's on, get we're so this. close. We're we're close, guys. It's fine. Jeffrey, you okay? You need to take a break. I'm they... thinking about Victor Garber right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about fucking Victor right. Garber and Titanic. So. We are all there to welcome the montage. You know what? There to welcome ends. Yeah, you know what? The thing is that Jack, Daniel I'm Day almost Lewis like irrelevant to Jack at that point. I'm just Newland like, I'm so glad Victor Garber gets to be at the top of the stairs from his son. He gets a call from his son and they put on old age makeup and all that stuff. Again, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but the shot starts with looking out the window, car driving by. We're in, we're an automobile. And I was like, fuck yeah. Accurate to the time period. And then it pans over and we're in his office and then the telephone rings. I'm like, telephones? Yes! Like, we're finally at the telephone section. Like, we are at telephone technology. Fucking great. I love it. Amazing. Orange Gosetti, thank you. Picks up the phone and it's his son uh, who will later know to be Robert Sean Leonard. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, he plays Wilson in House. He's also the kid in Dead Poets Society that she He's already himself. been in. Yeah, he's already been in Dead Poets Society yeah. too. Um, but when, I, when Robert Sean Leonard <laughs> showed up, I was like, Robert John Leonard at a time period piece? Yeah, let's go. Uh, and, you know, he says, hey, dad, like, um, you know, this new client of mine wants me to go to Paris or whatever to, I don't know, some architecture thing. Come come with me. And he's like, come with me. It'll be like our last father-son trip. He's like, oh, son, I don't know if I can do that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, we should end the Civil War. But <laughs> he's, you know, he's just like he's talking to his Abraham Lincoln he's voice. Just like, he's like, Jeff, no. Jeff? You're doing it to yourself. I'm doing it to myself. You're doing it to I yourself. gotta watch it. Please stop. I have to watch it right, right now. I'm gonna pause right, the podcast. No, no wait, no, no, no. I'm gonna pause. Yeah, I'm gonna pause. I don't want to. Can I just watch Jeff? <laughs> oh my god. I'm about to start weeping in the club right now. We're gonna, I and mean, then we're gonna talk about the Age of Innocence. Oh my god. This is in 60 FPS inexplicably. <laughs> yes, <it is>. <laughs> Can you keep this in? You no. No, this is absolutely going to be struck copyright. Fucking look at him. He's so good. He's already he's fucking already Christ. fucking tearing up. It's when they start clapping. Jeff is starting to weep. Hey, Mark is <laughs> Starting to weep. 
It's okay, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So anyway, Newland gets to... Why are we doing this this morning, boys? Why we got to start Sunday like this? This is our most chaotic episode. We get two days off, guys. So Newland gets to... They're in Paris. Um, with his son. With his son. Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Does Sean Leonard. Does he go to Paris? because Who kills that, himself in the dead Is that when he has the line of like, I'm, I'm, I'm 57. I'm not that yeah, old. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll go. Or is that is that referring to something else? No, I, I think that's the right line. You yeah. think he's, I'm 57. I, that's, that's young. Yeah. I have a whole life I mean, in me. In 1894, yeah. which is what it is probably then, like 57 is probably fucking old. You know, people are still dying of syphilis and tuberculosis. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Fucking Winona went out on pneumonia. <laughs> Come on. Um, weak sauce. It is crazy. Like. Weak sauce. <laughs> yeah, weak sauce. <laughs> Beta. <laughs> she died a cold, lonely death. Cold it's crazy. Like, like yes. the cold, just the common cold killed so many people. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, they're walking down and they have this conversation where... Essentially, his son is saying, "Like, listen, drops like, a bomb. He drops like, a bomb. mom told us that you know you and Ellen were a thing. Yeah, and that, but she commends you for giving that up because yeah. when when she asked does you, he, does he point out Ellen? Y- yeah. Well, well, because when he's like, oh, have you heard? Uh, one count Aleska. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or Countess Aleska. I thought he knew it was Count Aleska to come, and he's like, yeah. oh, and he kind of plays dumb, like." Do, do, do you know her? And maybe the son's playing coy, but he is just kind of like... Um. I don't think they... Yeah, I don't think that the son says that the mom told him about the countess. It's, But I think but he knows about the countess. Yeah, but he's basically like, this is your old friend who you haven't seen in a while. I figured this would lift your spirits if we went to go see her. I think he knows about Maybe he knows. Thing. He's not saying it, but... He's not saying it, but I think he knows. Because the whole thread of it is that everybody knows... Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows, yeah. Even though he thinks he's being all coy and yeah. sly about it, like everybody knows. But Newland is like fully just a shell of a man at this point. Yeah, there's there's no soul left in him. But he agrees to go to Paris, <clears throat> and they go to Paris. Yeah, and um, he. This is where I was saying, like, he was giving that line, like, you know, when Mom asked you, yeah, if you what what you wanted to do, give up the thing you love the most, or stick with her and stick with us that you gave it all up to be with us. Yeah. And he just responds with, she never asked. Yeah. Which I, I can't, you can't not interpret it any other way other than like that fucking bitch. (laughs) Like, you know, like kinda like, I mean, I don't want to interpret it that way, but I feel like I have to. It does feel like she's the final cut. The final wound. Yeah, but it does feel like she's trying to... She's trying to up, like, lift she's him. She's trying to let her son know, like, your father is a very... um, Your father is a very noble person. Yes. You know? And even though it does sting him, I feel like her intention there is, like... Good. Like, we had the life we did because your dad didn't run away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, But I do think it stings him because he's like, oh, I had to fight with it. My whole... I had to wrestle with that decision. Yeah. My entire life. And if she had, if we had been able to have that open conversation, because we, she could not have asked him directly, I need you to give that up. Right. We never had the the whole conversation that was not, about that's it. That's not allowed. It was not on the table. So then that's why he's like, she never asked me, because she couldn't have, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But then they arrive to her place, 
and his son is like, all right, you got, you going to come up? He's like, I think I'm just going to stay here for a while. And he's looking up at the window thing. And, and it's, again, he doesn't say it and the narration doesn't say it, but we can all tell what he's doing. He, can I read you the, yes. well, let's, let, let, let's talk about this first, because this was something I wrestled with on this viewing actually, which is when the light hits his face from the window yeah, and he thinks he sees her in there. Um, but he doesn't. And the last time he'll ever see her was when she went was, away in the carriage. Was looking away. Was not looking at him in the carriage. And he Marty does the that sort of that flashing with the imagery back to mm-hmm. the boat. Yeah, back to her staring off at the ocean. He's waiting for some divine is providence to tell is him that because the movie's POV has been so from him. Must we take it that he is imagining her looking back, and not that's what actually happened. You know, because it's his point of view. Oh, are you saying he's remembering it differently or did or it happen differently? Did it happen it? differently? No, is, he's, he's remembering it differently. Is he right? Is he remembering it differently or is he is? I think the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, she did turn. She did turn. But, and, but uh, and because the movies, because the movies camera is subjective, yeah. because the image is subjective to him. Is it? I don't know. Up to you. What I don't do you know. think? Do you I, think she had turned or do you think she I think in the state of mind he was in he when just, the scene happened in real time. Yeah. He would have clocked if she had turned or not. Mm-hmm. So I think in the state of mind he's in right now, he's just imagining all the what ifs. Yeah. What if? And I think he's just imagining the what if moment. Like he's imagining a the he was waiting for a cosmological yeah. interference here. Because he saw the secretary in the window. You see Jonathan Price. Was it Jonathan scene. Price? Yeah, it's Jonathan Price in this scene. Oh, At the very end, you see oh, John, Jonathan Price leans that. out the window. I didn't clock that. I didn't clock that. I didn't clock that. That's a and huge like, thing. He doesn't want to live with like. He would rather live with the uncertainty, and like the potential that like she still harbors feelings for him than having to walk in that door and be a guest at the table for her and Jonathan Price, and maybe their kids. Yeah, and their kids. He doesn't want the. He doesn't want the closure for that. He yeah. wants to live with the open-ended idea. Yeah. And so then he gets up and he walks away. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. But the walk away is a it's a long walk. It's a long It's like a minute and a half walk. of just him like kind of sadly with his cane ambling down the road, the cobblestone streets of Paris. Yeah. And the music just starts swelling, and I'm a fucking emotional wreck watching this movie. I want to pull up the sad old man I because I truly like paragraph. I like movies about sad old men, but also I truly like as I said earlier, like I spent the whole movie kind of like, what are we cooking with here? Like, what what's what's this all building to besides just like this unrequited romance? And then the end of the movie just contextualized the entire theme of the movie to me of like, it's about you know being trapped in this. Um, this state of mind in this cage and living an entire life, never, never, you know, feeling like you had agency to do what you wanted to have what you love. Can I read the last two? Yeah. Can I read it over this? Is that all right? Do you want to read it? You, you, you read a little bit better than I do. Okay. Then he tried to see the persons already in the room for probably at that sociable hour, there would be more than one. And among them, a dark lady, pale and dark who would look up, quickly half rise and hold out a long thin hand with three rings on it he thought she would be sitting in a sofa corner near the fire with azaleas banked behind her on a table 
It's more real to me here than if I went up, he suddenly heard himself say, and the fear lest that the last shadow of reality would lose its edge kept him rooted to his seat as the minutes succeeded each other. He sat for a long time on the bench in the thickening dusk, his eyes never turning from the balcony. At length, the light shone through the windows, and a moment later, a manservant came out on the balcony, drew up the awnings, and closed the shutters. At that, as if it had ever been the signal he waited for, Newland Archer got up slowly and walked away, back alone to his hotel. It's interesting that Scorsese changes the um, it is the amazing. servant no, to... I don't think it's Jonathan Price. I've never, I'd never clocked it at his It's Jonathan Price. 100%? It's 100% Jonathan Price. Okay. I also thought it was a servant. It's, it's definitely Jonathan Price in the window. You have the DVD in the player. Let's pull it the fuck up. <laughs> All right. Let, keep talking while I, while I pull it up. All right. So, but yeah, movie ends and the credits I, it's go. It's a guy who would rather, you know. Yeah, I think we really said it. It's just. He's a very emotional, lonely person. It's the and, uncertainty. Because you, like, I don't know. It's like, does anyone, when they're know. like a teenager or even like, like when you're a kid or even in your young, young adult life you have life you have a crush on somebody and you know they're going to be at a social outing and you're excited to be there and you go there and they show up with oh my a gosh. partner oh yeah fucking crushes you yeah. you know and i think that's what he would rather just live with the uncertainty that maybe she still has those feelings rather than yeah. the certainty of do you have it pulled up i'm, pull, I'm pulling it up but oh. there's a movie that came out this year that um and i don't want to talk about it too much but to, saying to what you're saying, the movie Past Lives, which, Mark, I know you were a little colder on than I was. I was really into Past Lives. A very similar idea where it's about, like, what if you were to reconnect with the person you thought you were going to be married to when you were in fourth grade? Mm. Um, that's the whole idea of the movie. Mm, yeah. Um, but it's well worth seeing if you... Yeah. All right. So it's it's going to take a second for me to get this scene up. Oh, okay. I got to go to time... We should have just come here and watch all together, shouldn't we? Maybe. I know. She never asked. Uh, what a beautiful name. The chapter. All right, guys, you're just gonna listen to quiet. Yeah, yeah. The last ten. Minutes. Oh, it's, well, right. it's gonna take me a second to, to get to. No, we can just watch from here. Yeah, yeah. It's minutes. It's okay. We'll do this live. I think it's gonna. Jeff, this is so much fucking better. Than yeah, this movie. looks Holy so good. Fuck. I watched so this on my iMac, right and I'm I'm fucking pissed. I'm so pissed. Jeff has a much better. He has a really good TV. Yeah, I have a. Th- this is this is just a Blu-ray, which is the craziest part. Yeah, it's not even a 4K. It just looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah. Probably fast forward it just a little more. And isn't that what you want one day? Just what? Have your kid respect you like that the way he. I thought you were gonna say to have a good TV. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what you want one day? Just a good. LG, it's so important OLED. we get this right though because Mark and I both saw the servant. You saw Jonathan Price. That means a very Jeff, different wait, thing. But, 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 but Jeff's got this OLED here. Yeah, Jeff's got the OLED. We were not watching on the OLED. The light gag. Uh, see again, like this is like the divine intervention bit oh, that he God. was waiting for. Like you know, it's like if if she walks out of the. That's oh. his fucking servant, Jeff. I, I swear. Jeff, but, but Jeff, isn't that Look. worse? Is, isn't it worse, Jeff, that it's not Jonathan Price? Yes, it is. I could have sworn it was Jonathan Price. Wow. All right. Well. 
Isn't I, it, I thought it, it was Jonathan Price. Isn't that more heartbreaking? That anything, yeah. could, anything, there's, there's a world of possibilities. Anything could be in there. Anything could be. And he's too afraid of what it could be. Just her. Oh, the light. Oh, fading on his Because if he like saw that. Jonathan Price, then that at least answers something. Yeah, for that him. gives him an answer. But there's no answer. Is this the, there's no answer? Is this the best movie ever? Martin Scorsese ending. That's a that's a crazy thing to say. Oh, fuck no. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know, Jeff. Oh my god. Just slowly walking away. So good. So good. All right. What if we just threw the Irish? What if we talk about the Irishman, guys? <laughs> just threw that on. Just start a brand new. Well, I'm fucking, I mean, kills the fuck. All right. Is up there now. That's. It's fucking endings, but. That is the movie. Yeah. That, that is, is the that is the movie. The Age of Innocence. Jeff. Yes. Can you please take us away with. Uh, well, I want to. I do want to dive back into the Winona of it all real quick. Yeah. Um, because she's the one who kind of comes out of this movie. Like, yeah. With with the most. She gets the she gets the nom. Yeah, because this this movie you know comes out um, October of nineteen ninety three. It makes sixty eight million dollars on a thirty four million dollar budget. That's like still a kind of crazy number for a movie like this to make. A movie mm. like this would never make that much money nowadays. For my father, if you don't dedicate your movie to your father, what the fuck is wrong with you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what the your dead father. You? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm gonna dedicate my movies to my dad. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to dedicate my moves to other people's dads. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for Stu's dad. (laughs) (laughs) This one one goes out to Don Elmore. (laughs) And then the movie progresses about like fucking Atlantis or something. (laughs) Um, I just went with Atlantis. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But this movie, you know, it makes a a respectable amount. Um, It's Scorsese, so generally speaking, gets really good reviews because it's a good movie. Um, Gets several Academy Award nominations. Misses out on Best Picture, but it gets Best Supporting Actress for Winona, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Score. It wins for costume design, obviously. Right. Um, we didn't even talk about how impeccable the costume design is in this movie. It's this is an imp- incredibly well crafted movie. Yeah. Um, but Winona's nomination. This is her first nomination, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know it's kind of a, a crowning moment for her. it's an anointing of her. You know. I mean, this her, per- her screen presence. This performance is in a different league. Yeah, than what we've what been talking about. What we've been talking about. But, different even from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, but we talked about how after um, Mermaids and Night on Earth, she kind of had this moment of like, I want to be a respected adult actress. Yeah. And is like, I'm going to just do Bram Stoker's Dracula and Age of Innocence. Those are the next two movies she decides to do. And it's like, I want to just work with serious people, make serious movies. And I think this is a validation of her, you know, career choice. Yeah. She's a she's almost as smart as the character of May in planning her career. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very calculated, very designed. This char- she identified a lot with this character, and I think that shows in just you know how this you know bears fruit for her. It pays off. Yeah. Because uh, she she doesn't win the, the award, but she does get nominated. It's a first Academy Award for her. Yeah. Nomination wise. Yeah. Um, and I think well deserved. It's it's nice to just. Because like Travolta got his nomination very early, mm-hmm. and then he had to you know have a comeback to get his second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fraser didn't get one until like ne- last year. Yeah, Winona makes a play for another one you'll talk about, but that one is taken away. For, yeah, she doesn't she doesn't get nominated for Girl Interrupted because Angelina. Well, she gets nominated once more. 
Yeah, what which is for, for Little Women. For Little Women. Yeah. She gets nominated for Little Women. Um, and then she doesn't get nominated for Girl Interrupted because of the Angela and Jolie of it all. Yeah. And then she doesn't get nominated for The Crucible. Um, which are the other two, like the two movies where she ostensibly was in the conversation but didn't get the nomination. Mm. Um, and who knows, maybe she'll get she'll win the war for Beetlejuice Beetlejuice next year. Um <laughs> maybe. Which we will be talking about. Um, yeah, the Age of Innocence. Just, uh, we kind of had a, a cost seventy million dollars just for inflation. Just for inflation, it was thirty-four million dollars then. Inflation's so. crazy, man. Inflation's crazy, man. Fuck, <sighs> fucking nuts. What's happening to our dollar? <laughs> What's, What's happening to our dollar, Jeff? <laughs> What's happening to our dollar? <laughs> the, the boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. All right. So, what a good fucking movie. Yeah, Al Sinaitis, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Age of Innocence, Al. <laughs> I'm sure Al has, right? Yeah, Al, yeah, Al, you've Al, def- Al, text me, Al, Al right movie. now, pull out your phone and text me if you've seen the Adrian <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Al. We l- shout out big, Al. Fuck fa- Big Red. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. Um, um, Stuart, you have anything else to add? Uh, so we kind of we kind of hosed this movie down. We did, and I just say it. This is the most it, fun I've had being on an episode. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. I mean, other than when Stuart walked out four times over <laughs> <laughs> gi joe rise of cobra those were all fun um, no this is in my top it's five my, it's my favorite movie we've talked about um, yeah it's gonna be in my top i five. love blowout but this was uh yeah. Blow, blowout's my top yeah it's is. hard to be blowout for me blowout's one of my favorite movies i get that man yeah, i get same that. Yeah. i yeah i cried I, in I the theater that. when i watched it. yeah you I did cry in the theater that. it was, it was really that. cute yeah this I think this just like squeezes me yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. This that, is a big Mark Tilly movie. Yeah, that, this movie just squeezes me. Yeah, yeah. I, I watch him. I it's, watch movie. I I said this to Stuart when he walked in, but I knew this would be a Mark movie. Um, and then I because like yeah. it's just such just so emotionally wrenching and like uh-huh. all about these unrequited spoken things. Yeah, feels very Mark. Is it the first time other than Blowout we've all been like on the same page? I think so. Yeah. Um, because we were definitely not on the same page for Ladder 49. Basic, I feel like we were all on the same page of like, all right. The fuck um, is it? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the fuck we said for Savages. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember recording Savages. <laughs> <laughs> I was still watching that movie as we were recording the podcast. I had it on my phone. I was finishing. Yeah, <laughs> I remember this. Um, Monkey Bone, we were kind of like iffy. Yeah. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. It was just, I don't think there was anything... It was so just, it was the cold. We all agree that, that Batgirl was one of the great American uh, uh, expeditions. Yeah, yeah, huge but, box um, office hit. Yeah, huge box office hit. Um, uh, one Fraser, his second Academy Award. Uh, well, he's just nominated. Did, We're hoping he wins. Did we win him an award for that? Did well, we he got nominated. Well, he as nominated? as we all know, he was nominated uh, in the 2024 Oscars yeah. for uh, Best uh, Supporting Actor for Batgirl, but we're waiting to see how this pans out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all agreed on this movie, and you know, I think that fostered strong conversation. And so it was a Mark, do you have anything else to say about the Age of Innocence? Anything you want to add? Um, I don't know. I was watching I watched this movie a year ago when I was watching all of Scorsese, and then I was watching um uh Voyage to Italy, and that's taken me a long time to finish it's yeah. a long documentary series. Um so I don't know where it stands in my Scorsese right now. The only other Scorsese movie I haven't seen is um Bringing Out the Dead. So, I don't know. I think this movie would. I I would just. 
encourage people who haven't dug really into sort of some of the the earlier movies and filmography yeah. and some the less well known Scorsese's. Yeah, I, this is a, a huge one, obviously, but um, for as being as sort of like uh, callback for being as Titanic as he is, you know, I think he still he still has so much uh, to discover. There's so much yeah. still more to 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 learn about him yeah. and his sort of his filmography is massive. It's colossal. Yeah, it's yeah. The monstrous work. Can't say anything new about him, but uh, it's hard to just. Yeah, I'm there's, always, there's always space to to keep digging with him. I think I gotta really delve through all the Scorsese's in the new yeah. year. Yeah, that's gonna be my pro. That's gonna be my summer project. Stu, what are your last thoughts, bro? Uh, I I don't think I really have any. We've really hosed the movie down. It's in my top five. Just a really nice comfort movie. Like even though it's not very comfort comfortable, um, but. I mean, just the vibes alone. You just feel like you can cozy up in a nice warm blanket and, I don't know, watch Daniel Day-Lewis ruin his life. Every moment, but, every frame is so rich. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You could, just, you could just sit with it. And I guess on a broader scope, it's very... It's fun to have, like, just almost back-to-back-to-back to back to back bangers for Winona. Mm-hmm. Love that. Like, it's been... Like, we haven't... We've yet to have, like... Yeah, a, we haven't really had a... A, a, a major droll yeah. yet of an it's episode. It's coming, I feel like, It's right? coming, but... <laughs> well, we got... We have a the, decent the, bit the to 90s go. The 90s are hers, though, right? Like, yeah. the 90s here's are the, here's the Here's the 90s run. After this, we have the House of the Spirits next week. We'll okay. be joined by a very fun guest who's already watched the movie a week and a half in advance. She has told me to watch it. <laughs> yes. I, will, I, I will be watching yes. it. I've heard crazy um, things. Then we have Reality Bites. Cool. Then we have Little Women. Great. Then How to Make an American Quilt. Don't know what that is. Um, then Boys. Okay. Then Looking for Richard. <laughs> the crew. Do you know what Looking for Richard is? No, what is that? Stuart, I need you to not look up what Looking for Richard is until you watch the movie. Okay. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> the- Easy. <laughs> Stuart, I'm, I am begging and pleading for you not to Google. I'm, the, the audience is Done home. and done. Mark, you should absolutely look up what Looking for Richard is right now. Um, I need you to look it up. I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, then after looking for Richard, it's The Crucible, Alien Resurrection, Celebrity, Girl Interrupted, Autumn in New York, and that's her 90s. Incredible run. Yeah. Just perfect run. Mark, are you reading what Looking for Richard is? No, but I, the first thing I, I Googled, it was like Looking for Richard spoilers. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, okay. All right, well, Jeff. this looks crazy. He's got he's, he's to go, I think, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We gotta, all right. Let's take us home. All right. Well, uh, we would like to thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Easy Riders, uh, presented by Travolting, um, covering the Age of Innocence. Next week, we'll be covering the House of the Spirits. Hope you'll tune in for that one. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It actually is marketable help um, if you do all those things, so we really do appreciate it. Pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky Threads, at TravoltingPod. Um, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com if you have anything fun to say. And find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Anything you guys want to plug? I'm um, good. All right. He's just going to walk away right now. And then Bye. special thanks, as always, to Rebecca <laughs> Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that's now taking you out. Have a great week, folks. Bye.